the world. Hey guys, welcome back. TR Shocks the World. Back once more, I'm Ray Russell, and joining me is the host of TR Shocks the World. He is Mr. TR himself. Um, what's your name? What does TR stand for again? It's been a while. I forgot. Total wreck without the W. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tom Robinson. <laughs> it's me, uh, the D-O-double-G. No, that's somebody else's deal. It's Tom Robinson, TR Shock of a... Uh, Less than stellar independent wrestling slash managerial career. Been around the bus. I don't even know if that's a saying, but that's a shoot because I was a bus driver. And been around the block, I was meaning to say. It's been a while, Ray. How are you? I know that you're uh, still and forever should be mourning the passing of your uncle, Lance Russell. Ray, sorry. Yeah, Play on yeah. Well, it's kind of funny you said that. I didn't have an uncle that just recently passed away. He's a good man. He wasn't Lance Russell, though. But um... I'm the king of fucked up timing. I apologize. <laughs> You're totally cool, man. I never even thought that that was your, you know, made the connection Lance Russell, Ray Russell, till five seconds ago. And I have to put my foot in my mouth and say something right when you lost an uncle. So. <laughs> well, it's a great way to start the show, Tom. That's, yeah. that's, that's how we do shit here. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, yeah. I'm rolling into my third beer, so I'm doing well. And uh, I hope you're doing all right out there in, uh, near Philly. Near Philly, the uh, per capita murder home of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and apparently the home of every wrestling promotion that's ever lived. We have New Japan coming, I think, next week. Just had MLW, AEW, SmackDown. Uh, Fuck, there's probably somebody else I'm missing. Whatever's out there has been here other than Impact, and they've been here before, before the pandemic. So we get pretty, you know, I wish I was still 12. I can't show up as a, a dorky fucking 285-pound fan that used to take bumps. Like, you're considered a mark if you do that. So uh, that's a hint, Tony Khan, and uh, all your brass over there and former locker room sharers. I was kind of... <laughs> being covert but i did want you guys to take care of me when you're at temple so maybe next time mm, could be you gotta let us know and in the meantime everybody go over and uh i guess uh hit tony khan up on twitter and tell him not to diss tr neck or i'm sorry i just broke kayfabe there <laughs> ttr tom robinson yeah, they get this tr neck i don't know who that is <laughs> but uh at tr shock Some, somebody get a fucking sign that says at tr shock i mean there you I, go I'm fucking I'm not over enough to get it. Just that's old school, dude. Scoops.com. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's old school. That what's what's that word? Um, organically, I'm not over enough right now to organically make that happen. So I'll I'll just pay you money to do it. Whoever the fuck is sitting front row would hire that TR shop. Uh, that would be tremendous. You know, what would be more tremendous is if they hype this show. TR shocks the world. We are back once more. And a part of the WrestleCopia network. That's a WrestleCopia podcast network, part of WrestleCopia.com. I just paid that bill for another year, Tom, so I had to put it over. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, you provide great content. Um, pat myself on the back a little bit because I'm part of it. But well, yeah, you do a couple other shows that you know deal with history and you know historian type stuff that's pretty tight out there. So, and I'm sure you're always just like me having ideas of other shows, and I'll be right there with you. You know what I mean? So, what's so good about this particular show is we can just talk about anything and everything. There, we're not discussing one specific era, one specific promotion. We're talking about whatever the fuck we feel like talking about here on this show, and uh, we're very candid uh, about our personal feelings and things. And uh, yeah, I just I love recording these shows. Yeah, what's crazy is that I was just thinking, and you said we can talk about anything. How amazing! Uh, a comeback it was organized and orchestrated by lamar jackson last night um, you're such a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> fucking right before we go on the air i i expressed my uh disdain for lamar jackson and then this entire fucking football team but uh yeah tom had to be a dick which i would expect <laughs> nothing less so hey tom yeah, how about that fucking uh uh fucking uh, money in the bank review we were supposed to do about three months ago where the fuck you been, man? Listen, man, I've just been hitchhiking across the country and uh, <laughs> just happy to catch that Monday night game last night. Nah, I'm busting balls. I, I, you know. We are proud to announce the launch of WrestleCopia brand and the WrestleCopia podcast network which you can find over at www.wrestlecopia.com. That's wrestlecopia.com, wrestlecopia.com. You may have heard me mention the WrestleCopia brand in passing on a variety of our shows. You might be asking, what is WrestleCopia? Well, the name derives from the words wrestle for wrestling and copia, which is defined as having plenty or an abundance of. It's abundance of wrestling history over at WrestleCopia.com as the podcast never continues to grow with a variety of podcasts. Everything from our show, The Wrestling Memory Grenade, where we take a trip down memory lane to wrestling history's past as we analyze and dissect complete years of wrestling history from your favorite promotions, to Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, an in-depth look and weekly breakdown of the entire Raw vs. Nitro War. To our newest podcast, TR Shocks the World, where host Tom Robinson makes his long awaited return to the wrestling airwaves. Tom does everything from break down the current product to share inside stories and memories from years gone by. It's discretion advised as TR Shocks the World with his strong opinions, hilarious impressions, and so much more. The WrestleCopia News Network is a special feature podcast. You can expect more late breaking news, timely discussions, and tributes to the fallen legends on future episodes of WCNN. We've also got other podcasts being prepped for their debuts, including a territory-based show we like to call The Money and the Miles. There's an old saying in the world of professional wrestling that nothing in this business is real except the money made and the miles traveled. In this podcast, we discuss the territory era, with shows focusing on everything from show reviews to yearly breakdowns to episodes focusing on some of the rare, lesser-known territories and outlaw promotions of yesteryear that remain an enigma. Stop on over to WrestleCopia.com for all the latest shows and follow us on Twitter, at WrestleCopia. That's on Twitter, at WrestleCopia, for all the latest news and information on the podcast network. So we got a whole lot to talk about here, Tom. We got to talk about the AEW. Lots of wrestlers have passed away as well in the last several uh, months since we've been off air. And, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the WWE, unfortunately. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, a lot of other things before we get going. Tom, you got anything else you want to talk about before we uh, get into the wrestling biz? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I thought Bobby Eaton was going to be, and we'll get to him later, a pretty tough one to go over once we jump back on the air. But even more close to home as, as far as recent life and whatnot, before TR Shocks the World and after uh, a brief co-hosting stint with the 605 Super Podcast, uh, a fan of that show and a fan of my work on that show named Nate Bush, Nathan Bush is his correct name, from West Virginia, had contacted me, very complimentary. And as I said to you, and I say to many people, if you're involved in pro wrestling in any way, shape, or form, you got to have a screw loose somewhere. That goes with the territory, but finding the good ones is uh, pretty hard to do, and he was a good one. And I just kind of killed the lead, as they say, because uh, I said was. And at the age of 31, uh, on October 5th, my co-creator of Wide Men Can't Jump and good friend, only in wrestling can you say good friend from somebody about somebody rather that you've never met in person. Right. Um, he went to sleep and never woke up um, out of nowhere. No, I mean, he wasn't when you hear he was, if I said this already, it's uncomfortable for me to talk publicly still um, only age 31. If I said that already, uh, not, he was a big guy, but not a drug guy, not a drinker. Like, we talked about him coming to Philly or me coming to West Virginia, one or the other, and I was like, you're getting drunk that night, dude, or whatever. Um, <laughs> he has a two, two-year-old two son, Cade, uh, just a heart of gold, and it, it, it came as a complete shock. There was a third party to the Wide Men Can't Jump uh, network. It was my friend Tim Dumbrova from Canada, and I introduced those two. I believe I introduced them because uh, he was Tim was a fan as well of the the work on 605, and he ended up when I took a hiatus from that show due to work responsibilities and just general bullshit that you're starting to deal with now, Ray. My my real life uh, activities. Tim and Nate became uh, like daily speakers. I mean, they became closer than close. So my uh, Tim's the one who broke the news to me. So it was just a big shock. Uh, Nate was a six foot five, three hundred and fifty pound. Hence the name Wide Men Can't Jump because I'm not exactly small these days either. Um, we covered the N NBA. I almost said NWA, NBA, and uh, but we both being wrestling dorks snuck in interviews with Lance Archer, Bruce Pritchard, Conrad Thompson, uh, Mick Foley, Jeff Jarrett. Our selling point, which worked, was there was many more in the wrestling world as well. But our selling point was, hey, man, we don't want you to come on and talk about wrestling. We want you to come on and talk about basketball. And you'd be surprised how refreshing that was to, you know, the, the boys to hear. Sure. They didn't have to tell the same old stories. And uh, we had a good run, and it, they they just did the 200th episode, which I couldn't be a part of. And I was like, damn, I got to come on next time and bust on Ben Simmons from the Sixers, if uh, anybody doesn't know. Right. And I'm rambling, but uh, Nate, at 31, you were taken too soon. And good dude, my good friend. Um, I'm glad you're Tampa Bay Bucks. Yes, he lived in West Virginia, so they don't have a pro 
sports franchisee, kind of like the, a team from a different area um, in all four major sports. But he got to see his Bucks win the Super Bowl, so I'm happy for that. And he was calling All-Star Wrestling based out of West Virginia. Uh, a name you might know is Stephen P. New, who was involved in that promotion. Uh, he was the color commentator with his buddy Josh Brown, who he considered a brother. The only thing I can say negative, and this is kind of tongue-in-cheek, I'm busting Nate's balls wherever he is in whatever universe, is that uh, he he hated Dave Meltzer. I, I was I was paused there to, to try to think of a word, but the best word's hate. Um, everything Dave <laughs> printed, he would have a problem with on Twitter until he got banned. And then we would talk on the phone, and I would say, Nate, you're – Posting as wide jump, I'm sure Dave knows that I'm affiliated with that show. Can you please at least put slash Nate when you put these seething responses to his uh, Twitter? So it's kind of funny in a way. Um, but I, I did feel confident that after time that, you know, I would show him the light that Meltzer's not the evil Dave as some think he is now. And he's a, you know, a good reporter and a big part of this wrestling business. But um rest in peace nate 31's too fucking young i keep here i keep hoping i hear it's a rib and you just wanted to hear me fucking say something nice about you but i, I don't think it is and ray thank you for a few minutes here to talk about nate and uh it's a shame you know i couldn't put you two together because you know you guys are great on the other end of uh besides being co-hosts you're great on the other end of fixing up my shit and you know making it sound smooth so wish you could have met him and uh God bless Nate and his family and friends. Yeah, it's uh, really unfortunate, Tom. You know, I got to go back just real quick. I listened to you on the 605. And so when you disappeared off the 605, I was like, where did Tom go? And I eventually found you on the Wide Men. So I've listened to, you know, a variety of those those shows. So while I never actually knew him or even spoke with him, um, he did follow my show, I think, before I even... I even got with you, I think, or at least maybe because I was following him or whatever. But um, so I kind of knew him as far as a personality went on 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 the podcasting uh, scene or whatever. And it's really unfortunate. My, certainly, my condolences go to you. Certainly, his family and friends. Thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, I know that sounds cliche, but it's really all I can say. Only thing I hope he did, you know, you you talk about ball busting. I can't bust his balls, but. I hope that he was into fantasy football and he drafted Jameis Winston for a few years there while he was with the Bucks. because, yes, he threw a lot of interceptions, but, my God, he won me a lot of money in fantasy football with all those touchdowns. So that's all I can say about the Bucs. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm not a big fan of Tom Brady. But, yeah, I don't want to change, change the subject too much. But, um, yeah, certainly my condolences as well. And, Tom, you talk. You said thanks for me allowing you to do this, Tom. This is your show. We do, you know, whatever you you feel like doing, and certainly that was deserved. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Uh, the airwaves won't be the same, brother. ASW. I'm sure. I, I believe they've already planned a tribute. If you Google search Nathan Bush, uh, GoFundMe. There's there's Tim put something up. I don't know the exact link, or I would or I would share it. Uh, you know, I'm in a fog. It just happened. So it's the first time I publicly talked about it other than tweeting and shit. But, yeah, I lost one of my boys. So hopefully I can uh, I can make good on it and make some entertaining content where 
You know, we can. Uh, tonight's a tribute to Nate. Is that all right? Tonight's show, is, uh, uh, unless it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know I work magic, Tom? They never suck. <laughs> True. True that. You do. You do make the best out of uh, chicken shit out of chicken salad, or vice versa. Whatever the fuck that saying is. Sure. But yeah, Jerry Jarrett. <laughs> let's uh, let's go on to brighter topics, but don't think you're forgotten, Nate, because you never will be. Uh, no, absolutely not. Like I said, I always really enjoyed the show whenever I listened to it, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, really sad to hear that, and uh, just my thoughts go out as well. And, and uh, right, real quick, real quick, and I'll, absolutely, this might shed some light or add a lighthearted note, mm-hmm. depending on how you take it. Um, I believe it was Karen from Philly a longtime friend from the comedy business said after a a myriad of RIPs from my social media accounts, she said she would never hang with me again because I'm the grim reaper. So you may want to check all your vitals. I know you had a scare with COVID after we hooked up. So uh, (laughs) make sure you're okay, buddy. Right right on. (laughs) All right. Well, since we kind of, did that right now. Um, probably not the best time to start breaking into the uh, a lot of the guys passing away lately. So uh, maybe we'll go talk about a lighter topic to get going here. Uh, but before we do, I should mention you guys need to find Tom on Twitter at TR Shock. You can also follow the show TR Shocks the World at TR Shocks. That's TR Shock with an S at the end. I know very creative on my end, Tom. And also you can follow me, Ray Russell, at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And I think the last time we were on the air, yes, three months ago, I was asking everyone to please follow me on Facebook, follow all of my shows, the WrestleCopia Network, on Facebook so that we can get our very own URL. And Tom, with, <laughs> without hesitation, it only took a couple of weeks. I was asking for, I think it was something like you needed 50 or, or something like the followers. I have nearly 600 followers in a matter of those those three months without even trying outside, outside of asking you guys here on the show. So I really appreciate it. And yes, on Facebook now, we do have our very own URL. It's facebook.com slash wrestling grenade. So you guys can go over there, follow us on Facebook, like us on Facebook, and we'll continue to post the shows over there on Facebook as well. So we're doing okay, Tom. All right, that's news to me as well. I, I, don't, I don't even think I follow Wrestling Grenade, do I? Wrestling Grenade, I should say. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. Maybe I, think, I... I think both Thomas Robinson accounts follow the Wrestling Grenade, to be, actually, to be honest with you. Well, please find out who fucking stole the first one, because I can't. And I mean, I have my suspicions. But... Oh, you, you never got it back, did you? I thought maybe you would have had it back by now. No, I'll leave several it that. people have reported to me that they've saw me online. While I was on the other one, but they said, which one should I hit you up on? Uh, you're, you're on both. And I said, ah, that's great. So I know. don't know what to say about that other than maybe that's why Facebook shut down for a day or something, whatever happened the other week. Maybe I'm that important. Well, you know, I assumed you went back to your original account because we thought we knew who had, uh, who had control of it, but I guess not. And that's what I get for making an assumption. I made an ass out of me. An umption. So nice. We move along though with the show. Let's talk a little AEW, Tom. Let's bring things up a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's that startup group with the Jacksonville Jaguar guy, right? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, the coach, uh, Urban Meyer. Is that who you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, 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 the one that just <laughs> felled up some chick in his own in his bar. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? We'll talk a little AEW. 
Everybody was, uh, I, I know, once you bring up something, you got to deal with what I got to say. But, you know, he stayed in town. His team got out of town. Right. Um, for those who don't know, Urban Meyer was a college coach. A football coach, for those who really don't know who Urban Meyer is, like like Jim Cornette, I heard him questioning who Urban Meyer was. I don't know if that's part of the gimmick, or he really just had no idea. So he coached for Ohio State for a while there, Tom, right? So I guess he has a bar, which I didn't know that, but he has a bar here in Ohio, and his team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are now 0-5, were 0-4, and their their, uh, their quarterback is Riddle's brother. No, wait. Uh, could be, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, but, but in all, but, but in all fairness, they lost again and the, the, the team left town. They left Cincinnati. They, they, they played against the Bengals. They lost again. They left town, but he stayed behind to go to his bar and I'll let you take over from there. I mean, you know, I've been in the bar, but it's like, you know, I say I've been in every business. It's like I'm a one upper, but that's how unstable my 50, almost two years have been. Uh, I've been in the bar business, and I know the owners of the bars that I worked at would probably hang out and check their, you know, their business out themselves. And wifey knew she's still cashing the checks or oh, yeah. uh, enjoying the riches of those checks. Yeah, uh, that businesses have generated, and uh, football is the main source, of course. And fuck, man, if you come into that situation and you, you know, they also got the running back out of uh, he was out of Ohio State too, Etienne, right? I always fuck up names these days, but, uh, you know, he was also a first round pick with Trevor Lawrence and I'm not saying that would have brought them a win, but you know, back to the point, he, he stayed in town, saw his longtime friends was hanging out with a lot of people and there was a camera phone like there is everywhere and yeah, everywhere. somebody was dancing by and happened to, <laughs> happened to grind on the man. And, uh, I don't know, his hand went to her leg or somewhere in the nether region, a little not, higher, not yeah, maybe a little higher, but uh, wifey's cool with it. So, oh yeah, you know. wifey's wifey's collecting checks, like you said. Wifey's more than cool. She knows what she's got. And uh, who knows? Maybe the the Myers are freaks. Who knows? I, I'm not saying they are, but maybe uh, she's a potential third wheel in the Meyer home. I don't know. But wifey doesn't have a problem with it. Uh, it wasn't really a lengthy inter. Lewd encounter. I almost went the wrong way when I said inner. Of course. Uh, it wasn't that lengthy. The dude's owned four. He, owned five, he, right? Owned five now. It was owned four at the time. I'm sorry. And they were winning that whole game and, and got stuck at the one-yard line going into halftime or close to halftime to put them up 21 nothing. Jacksonville was. And uh, Cincinnati stopped them, and then it was the Joe Burrow show for the second yeah. half. Burrow's a To beast. lose an outbiter by three. And cover the spread, by the way, for you degenerates out there. Um, so he probably stayed behind. You know, it was probably pre-planned, and that happened. So uh, I don't know. I don't hate him. Uh, I I just think he mm, maybe put his hand in. Uh, maybe he was just checking her for weapons of some sort. I don't uh, know. I thought you were going to say he put his hand in the nookie jar. See, see what I did there. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, I, I cannot confirm or deny, but you said it was a little higher than the leg area, so I'll just take your word for it. Um, I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Thank you, Sasha. So you understand my point and mm -hmm. the, the wife of this gentleman. What's this have to do with professional wrestling? What's wrong with us, Ray? You brought up fucking con, and I just kind of went off the rails with Urban Meyer there. I apologize. 
Yeah, well, I, I, it, it probably this is TR shocks the world, not TR shocks the wrestling world. So we can slip True. other things in there. True. True that. Uh, viral video, a non-story, even though we're talking about it. So I guess it's a story, but a, a non, nobody got harmed in the filming of that. I really uh, wasn't so much appalled that he did what he did with, with the chick. I was more appalled that they lost their fourth game in a row. And he's like, yeah, you guys go on back. I'm going to go back and get drunk and do my thing. That was just kind of like, well, he's already lost the team as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think he's just in over his head in the in the NFL. Well, if we're really being dorky and talking sports and going sidetracked for a couple of minutes, you know, that USC job has always been associated with his name. Mm-hmm. And he is a quote-unquote college coach. Um, right. And, you know, it's it's not it's not going as well as ShadCon. I don't know how hands-on Tony is. Maybe you can help me with that. But um, <laughs> they have other GMs and, you know, business people and – Shit, I don't even think I know off the top of my head who's their head coach. Do you? I have no idea off the top that of my sucks. head. I should know that. But then again, I should know a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, USC and Urban Meyer have been connected during the process of being hired and, and obviously rumored heavily now if he ends up. Like you said, you think he lost the team. The I think he lost the team whether like, he did that or not. I don't think they take him serious. That's probably true. I mean, with the Tim Tebow thing, and for those who don't know, and I think they talked about this on uh, Jim Cornette's show this week or whatever, right. they right. say Tim Tebow right? because he has a long-time relationship with Urban Meyer, and Tim Tebow is a name guy. It, it, it's a great promotional tactic, but he's certainly not qualified at this point, in my opinion, to be an NFL tight end. And No, right. That's That was just to, to get buzz over – over the offseason, clearly Tebow didn't even make the cut. So Yeah, he got the number one pick overall, and I think Peyton Manning was like, I don't know, 4-12 and 12 his first year. And I'm not saying Jacksonville will even get four, but 0-5, here we sit as we tape. So, go Jags. At least Daly's Place hosted uh, Pandemic Pro Wrestling. So, good for Daly's Place at least. Now, back to your regularly sponsored TR Shocks the World show. And what were we talking about? <laughs> AEW. I, I think we were going to talk about AEW, yeah. And all these uh, new signings as of late. Yeah. Um, as of, well, as of TR's late, because I didn't get on the air with you when they were coming in, but they've been around a couple weeks now. Who do you want to talk about first? Well, I think, I don't remember the order they came in now. I know Brian and Adam Cole both debuted the same night. So I guess we can kind of talk about that. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, as far as the event, I bought it. Uh, I liked it. I didn't really love the matches as much as it seems like the masses did. I'm not hardcore either way, WWE or AEW or Impact Ring of Honor, for that matter, or whatever the fuck. Right. I just like what I think is good. Like, I still think... Uh, Johnny Swinger is good on Impact, and everybody's like, you watch Impact? Dummy, yeah! Dummy, yeah! And that's, that's another subject we'll get into later, because I forgot that was one of my anger points with uh, Tommy Dreamer's dismissal from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I ordered that pay-per-view. It was kind of like they've, they've admitted on their side that everybody knew, but they didn't know. I think Adam Cole was the surprise. Everybody kind of knew uh, Punk and Brian were coming, which we didn't even mention Punk yet. But 
Um, Adam Cole's contract was up. He was having a talk with Vince McMahon. And it's funny. I mean, I, I like Adam Cole. And I like his work in NXT and AEW so far. And I just knew if I'm him, if I'm a fan of his, which I am, whatever, if he went to the main roster with that kind of size and somehow it was glaring in an NXT when he would wear like the sleeveless shirts and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, somehow it's not. It's camouflaged, or maybe it's just because that's kind of like the the temperature or the um, culture there, um, where it's not really a big deal in AEW. So I thought it was a no-brainer. I'm sure he's getting paid comparative, if not more. His girlfriend works there. Maybe that is a pain in the ass. I don't know. But he's fucking great. I, 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 you know, I hope he's with the Bucks and shit and... You know, that could uh, end up ruining his singles deal, but I think the dude's great other than the, the only thing he, he has missing is the genetics to put some size on his arms, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ray, you're a decent-sized guy, I think you right. told me. Right. Have you ever had a friend when you're lifting weights or whatever that just he was strong as an ox, but just it never looked like he even lifted? Nope. No, can't say that I have, honestly, <laughs> to be honest with you. I guess that doesn't happen in Cleveland, but I had a friend. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a friend called Mike Meswich, who's now a police officer, who I doubt will ever hear this because he doesn't like wrestling, never did. In high school, he was throwing up like 400 fucking pounds. He was a wow. running back, Monsignor Bonner. We're talking high school and no steroids. Right. 400-pound bench. His arms had no fucking, they looked like Adam Cole's. His chest showed the, uh, you know, he had packs, but literally you know, I was a skinny dude and his arms were comparable to me and he was not a skinny person. It's just some genetic, I've seen like workout videos and I use that term loosely. It was like a package for him and Gargano or something. It might've been Ciampa, one of those, you know, NXT takeover main events where he right. was, Adam Cole, I mean, was working out, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't out of, uh, out of school. He looked very natural and he's just, it doesn't happen right now. Um, I don't know what to say about that other than I'm glad he I'm glad he put on a leather jacket to come out uh, in most appearances. So here's my deal with with the whole thing. It's funny you brought that up, Tom, because I don't normally give a shit enough to pay attention to. I'm I'm gonna break the fourth wall here as far as a wrestling fan goes. I'm gonna tell everybody like it is. I don't follow NXT. I don't know that I've ever followed NXT, but I always watch what you would consider the pay per views. Because they have nice little video packages that tell me why I'm watching the match. And, you know, the matches overall on most of the pay-per-views are pretty damn good. In fact, there was a few years there where the NXTs that were coming on prior to Royal Rumble or WrestleMania were better than the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. Really, to me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm familiar with Adam Cole as far as watching his pay-per-view matches. But that's what I'm watching. I'm watching his matches, okay? Now, that last pay-per-view he did for the WWE, I think it was right before SummerSlam. It may have even been the one before that. I'm not sure. But I literally looked at his arms like you were. And I never look at guys' arms. Like, it's like I can tell the difference between a Scott Steiner and a guy that's not working out. But, you were looking at his arms, John Gruden. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. But his arms, they look like Michelin tire. No, I'm fucking around. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but his arms... Like, the last time I saw him, whatever pay-per-view that was, I don't have to describe them. You know what I'm talking about. They were like nothing. They were like, it would look like you'd never worked out a day in your life. 
And I thought to myself, like, is he like done? You know what I mean? Like, where you just like you don't give a shit anymore. We have that Carlito face right before you get fired. Like, I'm not even gonna sell. This is a fucking I'm on air. And I, I obviously his in ring work didn't say that. That's not what I'm saying. Forever, all the haters come at me like, oh, you fucking hate Adam Cole. What the fuck's wrong with you? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying his arms looked like a guy had never worked out a day in his life. They were just skin and bones, really. They were skinnier I, than normal. You know, like average, average human that doesn't work out at all. I completely agree. I mean, he's got, it's weird. He's got a big, like, uh, it's probably not big, but it appears to be a large head because, like, his <laughs> shoulders and arms are small. And he's got, you know, the beautiful head of hair, no homo. Oh, are we allowed to say that in 2021? Uh, that might have been a what, Chappelle? <laughs> oh, so yeah. the recent Chappelle, I got you. Yeah, Chappelle's uncancelable, but God, it will we be need to get on his network. Let's get on Netflix. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's art uh, when it's Dave Chappelle generating a bunch of revenue, and and Dave he don't give a fuck because um, no. he's got enough money and he'll find and good for him, somewhere. dude. And you know where you know where Dave lives in Ohio, in rural oh, Ohio. I do know that. Yeah, yeah. Good for you guys out there. And Kid Chris is in Ohio. Maybe that should be my uh, next stomping grounds. But anyway, back to Adam we, we do have casinos uh, here now. Grab an MGM card like I got. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, that's why we're uh, <laughs> We get the Vegas invites. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to get killed on many levels. Um, <laughs> Adam Cole, like you said, it's, uh, you know, I was talking about his head, but he, he has like that. Good look as far as the long hair and the, the, the look on the face. And uh, his quads are not that small. Uh, no, he looks like not... a normal human outside of his arms. It's just the arms. and Yeah. And so, like, I didn't mean to shit. I'm not, I'm not shitting on him. Like, what a performer, dude. Like, and he's over. Like, they do the boom and Adam Cole, baby, and shit like that. So I'm not shitting on Adam Cole. I'm just saying when I saw him prior to leaving the WWE, I was like, did he always have arms like that? Because I guess I never noticed. And, but I took notice, and I go, maybe he should leave, because this, this guy's never going to get pushed by Vince with arms like that. That's just a fact. I don't give a fuck what the story is, that Vince had an inter- interview with him or whatever before he quit or before he you know, didn't resign or whatever. And she, I don't give a fuck what you say. Vince is not going to push a guy with arms like that, period. You know? I couldn't agree more, and I, I before he showed up there that night, I said it was a no-brainer if it was me. That's where he fits in more, and it's it's showing. I mean, I, I, there's a few things lately that uh, seem to be going in a direction that I wouldn't like him to go because I, he's got fucking star ability in ring, star talent. He does a hell of a promo. I mean, you watch, and it's not pro-Cornette or anti-Cornette or nothing like that, but you watch Omega and the Bucks. And they just make weird faces. And, you know, I never really concentrated on I never had the heat with them like Jimmy has as far as pretending to be, you know, cosplaying wrestlers as opposed to being wrestlers. Right. But then Nick Jackson, who I like probably the best of all three of them, does the Macho Man shit. He grew his beard like Macho Man, wore that fucking hat like Macho was in his rap days. And does the, the, the double axe handle off the rope and does the finger deal and all that. It's like, what the fuck, dudes? Get your own shit. Like, but I digress. Uh, Adam is with them, which is a good place. Everybody in the business wants to work there, from what I hear, the few people that I talk to. Um, well, yeah, because you get all your fucking input. You get basically to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, 
a fan kind of runs it, but you know, he's he was he's getting more uh, of an authoritarian figure or whatever. Uh, he let a lot more go early on, and now he's got some big stars along with the crew that he built. And we'll get to and, those guys in a, in a minute. And I think they've really changed the game backstage, not just for wrestling, which I want to talk about, but for the booking as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, Adam Cole, we went through first. I like his fucking uh, theme song, even though I don't know what the fuck it says. I don't know any word or lyric to that, but it sounds cool. And he pops out and he's still got the Bay Bay and the sky's the limit for that dude. If I'm being frank, I think he's, he's probably at age 32 could be their long-term world champion. And it would be, I, I, I I know who trained him. I know um, the referee Mike Keener from my hometown of Clifton Heights. He was just on MLW. Uh, Mike was with the Hammerstone um, and Fatu. Fatu. Right. Uh, he he was the ref in that title change. So he's still heavily involved in wrestling. He at least was a big part of Adam's training. I don't know if he was his sole trainer, but I should ask him. But I doubt if he would go on record. But I should ask him the surly question if, uh, if Cole ever tried, like, creatine, and then that didn't work, and cry, tried, you know, OD <laughs> on protein shakes, and then said, fuck it, get me some test, get me some DECA, get me some Winstraw, something. And it's just genetically not working or whatever, but, I mean, somebody had to get in his ear. You said you didn't watch regularly. Right, just the pay-per-views. Uh, well, I mean, it just it just seemed like there was a showcase on how not big his arms were in NXT. I, like I said, was, I never even noticed it until the last time I saw him. And I just thought like, it just felt to me like, obviously it wasn't the case. That's not what I'm saying. But my first thought was, did he give up? Is he fucking done? Is he trying to just get out of this company? And I know that's not the case. And he never had a shit match and he never went out there at less than hundred percent and put out, put, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that was my first thought. Just looking at him like, does he just not give a fuck? Yeah. And, and I don't blame you for thinking that, but it, it, it's been pretty obvious through all of it. I mean, even he had a great match with Pat McAfee and I'll give oh. full credit to Pat McAfee for being great um, for a debuting, you know, athlete that coming from the outside of Pat from McAfee a punter. from a punter. Yeah. Um, that's the last position you would think would be successful, but McAfee's kind of a cool dude and great talker, et cetera. It's um, so funny, they- McAfee. Uh, just not to go off topic here for a second, but I always watch the evening fantasy football shows for quite a few mm-hmm. years there. Adam Rank, oh my God, what a wrestling fan. I love when he, you know, they, they have the That Helped No One segments and things like that, and he always refer to the lower card, the guys as lower card, jobbers, curtain jerkers, and I... And he would always drop out these wrestling references. He wears AEW shirts right now on, on the show. On, on the, uh, What is that? I think ESPN or NFL Network. I can't remember. But it's so funny. But McAfee had a little two, three-minute segment on there for a little bit there near the end of his punting run. And he would basically ask, act like a fucking wrestler. And I said, if there was ever a guy in football that got wrestling, and this is before he ever got into wrestling, I said, this guy gets wrestling. He, he should be in wrestling. Not necessarily a wrestler. But man, I mean, he can talk. He gets the idea of the gimmick. He's great on SmackDown. He, he made me like uh, Nakamura and fucking Boogs, um, just because he he he's over the top. And I guess he doesn't care if uh, yeah. Vince 
rid of him because he's he has got money. Yeah, he's got podcasts. He, yeah, he's got everything, man. He doesn't give a shit. It's like when he quit. Like he tried to quit at a WrestleMania. The story goes. Michael Cole was cussing him out. You don't do. You don't dress. I don't know if it's the way he dressed or. And he was like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Then I quit or whatever. You know. So. Yeah, it's a great position to be in in life. Um, but kudos to Pat McAfee. But uh, I brought him up because of the angle they did on his show on right. Barstool Sports, I guess, or wherever yeah. the fuck, like you said, it was one of the other ones or that one. But the the thing that quote set Cole off was he mentioned his lack of size. So that was the storyline. And McAfee was clear, clearly bigger than Adam. And it's it's like a it's like a recurring theme that it is what it is, but to go back to what you were saying and I might have touched on earlier. Vince McMahon, a 76-year-old Vince McMahon that's just rebranded NXT to everybody that's like the biggest physical biggest person in the, in the developmental is now, boom, on your TV every Tuesday. So it's, it's a no-brainer again. It's like if he went there, it'd be, you know, Drew McIntyre, for instance. He's right. fucking big. And if if they were to match those guys up, it would look visually horrible. But right, and that's not even the biggest guy they have. No, no, I was just throwing that name out there. But no, you're right. Yeah, and uh, you know, over time, it might have worked if you had an open minded promoter. But the, right now, the time was perfect for him to go to AEW, and the crowd felt the same way because their fan base, their hardcore fan base that buys all those tickets and travels the country, et cetera. They don't give a fuck if he was, you know, uh, Marco's stunt size. Right. And that if he was the, the same talent, the same promo, the same whatever, uh, he'd, be, he'd be over. And he was really over uh, on his debut. Uh, that's what we started talking about about two hours ago. But anyway, um, yeah, he was really over coming out. Then Kenny Omega did his uh, farewell adieu and all that bullshit that he did in Japan. Suck him and chuck him, Don. Suck him and chuck him, Don. Sorry. Yes, that's what he addressed uh, the crowd with. <laughs> he was addressing Callus, actually, and the pants were coming down. And thank God there was no live gay sex on pay-per-view. I am prepared that. to suck Kenny by God Omega. Almost was. Oh, thank <laughs> God. It, it makes Brian Danielson's debut that much important. That much more important, <laughs> I should say. Um, you know? What was your take on that? Did you think they should have debuted them back to back like that? Because I was not a fan of that at all, personally. You know, I took I took the personal like what's best for business and Booker out of it. I wanted my forty plus dollars worth, and I I kind of fell into marking out for it. To be honest with you, I know that's a valid criticism and a valid point. Don't get me wrong, but I kind of went. I kind of drank the Kool-Aid, and I enjoyed seeing him come in. Um, so the logical, rational Booker me agrees with you, but I can't I can't lie. I enjoyed both of them coming out. I was just like, yeah, this is going to be some good fucking shit. All right, so this was my deal. I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next day. That's what I typically do for the AEW pay-per-views. Uh, but my brother was like live tweeting me shit as long as I wanted him to. I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't give a shit. Tell me what's going on. Cause I'm waiting for him to go. Yeah. Here's Daniel Bryan. Cause that was the big deal. Everybody knew Daniel Bryan was coming. Everybody knew that was where he was debuting. Everybody knew this shit. Right. 
And at the end of the show, he texts me, he goes, it's Adam Cole. And I go, oh, fuck. Not because not I was shitting on Adam Cole, but when you're waiting for Daniel Bryan and you get Adam Cole, it's like, oh, shit. And I said to him back, I think I texted something like, so they're debuting Daniel Bryan on Wednesday. That was my thought. That was initially, like, immediately my thought as a booker in my own brain, okay? Like, because you already, there's Adam Cole. You're not going to upstage him, right? That was my thought. So I wasn't shitting on Adam Cole debuting. That's great. I didn't even know he was, you know, coming. So right on. And then he's like, oh, now here's Daniel. He texts me, oh, here's Daniel Bryan now. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Within two minutes, you debut both of them? Like, uh, it just felt like, just throw blow your load all in one wad just because you can. I like. I like blowing loads of one. I like blowing all that jizz all over. I like to do it twice with the right woman. Oh yeah! But that's another story. um, Yeah, I get you, man. It's like I don't have a strong disagreement for you, or but I I just admit it. I I marked out for once. Like their fan base is into the fucking style of uh, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks and credit or disgust i don't know where my head is on that uh to ray phoenix for just fucking doing a cross body like the high bumps like you know jeff hardy's kind of crazy too but the most of the high bumps he, if you look at Shawn michaels jumping off the ladder he kind of like he didn't go he didn't leap no put it that sean did an excellent job at doing a lot of great bumps safely that's the best way i can you know explain sean True, and he's my favorite in-ring guy. You know, there's a lot of Brett's, Brett people out there now, but we'll go back to that another time. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm a Sean or Brett guy when it comes to their personalities outside of the yeah. ring, but I, I did enjoy both of their work inside the ring. Yeah, I love Shawn Michaels' pay-per-view matches, but but this fucking Ray Phoenix held nothing back, did a full you know cross-body, right. which is dangerous as fuck, and... The other three, his brother and the Young Bucks, stayed tightly together to catch him. I remember Al Snow on some dentist show where he's working Candido was talking about a dive. This is 25 years ago, maybe, if if not more. Right. And he was just like, he had a wrestling school, and he was like, well, just, you know, bend your knees upon impact. Take you know the brunt of it with your with your butt and roll slowly to your back and just make sure the guy diving on you doesn't you know hit floor only. Make sure you body him as much as you can. And I'm thinking even with that from that height, uh, you know, credit or stupidity. I'm I don't know what to say there for that bump, but uh, definitely a memorable bump. But with the right booking, what's more legendary, Ray Phoenix's dive or Superfly Snooker with just the basic fucking leap? Off oh, the top of the- well, yeah. It's different times. People yeah. will argue, have you? But I don't know. Well, had nobody uh, done everything they've done for the last thirty years, then yeah. that, that Ray Phoenix thing would have meant you're right a gazillion times more than it does. Yeah, and th- that whole show uh, was well rated as one of the greatest pay per views of all time by th- that section of people. I consider myself an AEW fan. Um, I didn't think the matches were all that. But uh, I did pop for the surprises that actually delivered, which takes me back to where I was. I don't think I, we were on during the Christian debut, or were we? Oh, yeah. I, I believe Christian had debuted by then because we shit on how they brought him out. 
and then he kind of just walked okay, away. Did then? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just to prove and my poor point, poor Christian. Like, I feel like he signed a contract that said you're going to be world champion. Okay. I, I agree. And I then agree. they hired Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole and CM Punk and all these other guys and probably Bray mm-hmm. Wyatt here soon. So they said. Mm-hmm. We told you you would win a world title, not the AEW world title. So they go over right. there and they pay TNA or Impact, whatever. Let Christian win your title back. It's Christian. You guys have nobody bigger than Christian on your fucking roster. Sure, why not? And now, and now they're they're good. <laughs> and he's on there with Josh Alexander doing some shit, and you know it's just like he means nothing now. Omega lost to him, but had a draw with Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson, sorry. Omega lost to, I believe, four people by pinfall, and he had an aura about him, finally, even though he's trying to fuck it up with those stupid faces. Right. And, you know, uh, I'm jumping ahead, but he had the dream match with Danielson, which was superb, but to me it could have been that much more anticipated had he not had a clean pin loss to 47-year-old Christian. Uh, he lost to Pac, 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 whatever the fuck, Moxley, Jericho, and then Christian. But he somehow didn't lose to Brian Danielson. I mean, come on. But, hey, what do I know? Yeah, so we talked about Adam Cole. Obviously, Daniel Bryan debuted, or Brian Danielson debuted in the same exact segment. And uh, since that time, they started getting him over, and then they threw him in a fucking eight-man tag. I mean, I don't... I love the fact that these other guys are in there now because I've said this to my brother, I've said this to other people, the more real talent, and I apologize for anybody that loves the Dark Order, and but the more real talent they get that they have to put on TV every week is the less we have to see of the mediocre or less shit that they put on there to fill time and they wanted their little pet projects that aren't working. And I love that. And I love that guys like Daniel Bryan and Punk are there now because now they're going to have a lot of advice to listen to. I don't think they listen to the Arn Andersons, the Jake Roberts. I don't know that Tully Blanchard is even giving advice. I think he's just collecting a check. But I don't know that they're listening to these guys. But I feel like guys that are from their era, if you will, that they marked out for. That they marked out for, that are still capable to go, that are still going to go in the ring with them, they'll finally listen to them. So what might Arn Anderson might have said, which is something that CM Punk probably learned from Arn Anderson, maybe they'll listen to now. Yeah, agreed. We didn't specifically talk about Punk, but he was kind of oh, the first of the three. Right, I was getting uh, there. Like He was like the big one, so that's why I was trying to save it for a second. But yeah, we're, we're at Punk now. Yeah, and uh, we always... Because of my direction, I, I always want a, a positive report on AEW. And sometimes we get carried away from what we know in our hearts, and it doesn't come out uh, the way we want it to. But both- No, it's when you love something so much, Tom, that when you see things not going right, that's what you're focused on. You don't want to put over all the great shit because it's, it's great. Like, what the fuck are you going to say? When you see the little things that you want them to fix, that's what you're focused on. I get it, though. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, I should say this above all the, you know, the fact that Brian Danielson met Omega and the crowd was so hot for that, uh, the lockup and the, the, they pop for the lockup for Christ's sake. Right. Great shit. And back to Punk's debut. I mean, Jesus Christ. That was a hot building in Chicago. And 
I was just like, I was a fan again. You know, I always take it from a different perspective. Like we were just talking about picking apart everything, but I was just like, man, he, he came back to fucking wrestling and he's not fucking around getting his head beat in in UFC anymore. And he's not on the, that Fox show, whatever the fuck it was. What was that show with Renee? Yeah, Renee yeah, Young. the bump. Or no, not the bump. That one, that one's still around. The other one, backstage. whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Yeah, backstage. There you go. Yeah, I would have never remembered that. It's like this dude is back and Road Warrior Pop, fucking all the historic, you know, names for pops. He, wow, that building was electric. So, yeah, and, he, you know, Tony Khan is, is fucking, you got to give him props and you got to put him over when it's due. Like, he buys the licenses to these songs and shit and called a personality, probably cost him a couple bucks. But I but think, it, it, I think he gets a better deal with that because they even wanted Punk to come out to that in UFC to the point where they basically gave it to him. So okay. I feel like they just want to be a part of Punk. Uh, versus Daniel Bryan, I don't know if you heard about that. They wanted to do Final Countdown. And they wanted to, like a gazillion dollars for him to use it a dozen times over the year or whatever. Yeah. And Tony Khan was like, no, I'm a billionaire and still no. It was, it was something Which ridiculous. What's funny is, like, what he comes out to now sounds like his WWE entrance, familiar enough where you know it's him. And then all of a sudden, inexplicably, it's Booker T. It's like, ben -na 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 -na. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck happens to the... How's it switched from that to that? It's like, uh, his new gimmick's gonna be, can you dig it, sucker? Right, 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 yeah. But listen for that next time you hear Daniel come out, how it I'm switches gonna... into... <laughs> Fucking he'll be doing Maybe I'll never hear it the same again once I do. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> you're done now. But yeah, we got those those three. Um So you know, you were talking about you you mentioned Corny earlier, uh as far as what Cornette said about something, I don't even remember, but he said something in the last week that really resonated with me was they were heading the right direction. Like he couldn't even shit on most of the show because like I just said, most of the show were guys that knew what they were doing and whatnot now. And then this week, and I don't know, you know, everybody has a stinker here and there. So maybe whatever, you know, who knows what's going to happen the following week on TV here. I'm happy. I like the direction they're going because of the guys that are back there now. Let's get a Bray Wyatt back there so that he can eat up another segment of the show so yeah. that we get more of the shit off of the main Wednesday night show. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's cliche, but the veterans, and you made a great point about the veterans that are in those guys' era to where they can still go and they can, they might have been on a fucking Total War New Jersey show with, Brian Danielson, when they started their first match ever or something, right, right. They they really will understand the advice and the even working with them. I I just hope it's not on Dynamite or Rampage. I hope it's on Dark or if they eventually go to house shows. I I hope those young guys that they bank on to be stars get to learn everything from Punk, Brian, and fucking WrestleMania guys. You know what I mean? And sure, jeez, that's that's. Invaluable. Main eventers, man. They, these guys, these guys main evented. You know, Punk got to work, you know, with The Rock, with Cena, and things of that nature. Daniel Bryan got to headline WrestleManias and tell big stories. I mean, and, and these guys started off as huge indie guys right out of the gate. So it's not like they, they they've always had talent. 
and they were always yeah. working with talent even before they got to the WWE. Punk credits Raven back in TNA for a lot of, you know, uh, uh, shit. So, I mean, and Brian, oh my God, he was like walked right into Ring of Honor as fucking the, the top of the shit. He trained down there in Shawn Michaels Academy. I, I used to be, this is on topic, but switching a little bit. I used to be a regular listener of Colt Cabana's podcast. And <laughs> I learned a lot about these guys that we're seeing now that weren't in the limelight of either big promotion back then. Right, right. And I remember specifically, he had Moxley, who had already been in uh, FCW or whatever, on his way up, but he still had access to him. And he's like, yeah, what's up, man? And they're talking back and forth, and he's like, uh, nothing, what's going on? You know, Moxley's just fucking whatever. Yeah, he's in and, his own fucking world. Yeah, and he's just like, uh, somehow he was talking about great wrestlers, great wrestling or whatever, and he goes, Cabana's like, hey, man, so so who's your favorite wrestler? And, you know, everybody that the Brian Danielsons or punks or whatever will say, oh, I loved Ricky Steamboat, the way he worked, or right. Ric Flair, you know, the the, the status quo, whatever, sure. the, the you know, fucking Moxley said, uh, I don't know, Sandman? <laughs> he said, he said <laughs> that, Sandman. That explains a lot. Yeah, so, but, I mean, it, it also <laughs> makes it cool to me in a way where he's, he doesn't go with the flow. He's just kind of fucked up, dude. So you must really love Dave Batista because you know who his favorite was, don't you? Oh, my God, I don't know this. The Warlord. Get the fuck out of I here. I swear to God, Google it. You'll find it in five seconds. Oh, my God. He loved the Warlord. Wow. <laughs> Who had a yeah. couple of decent matches with the British Bulldog. But, I mean, outside yeah. of that, I don't know. <laughs> and was a big motherfucker. He was but... a big dude. He looked great. You know, the idea was... when they split the powers of pain up was they split them up so Barbarian would go with, I think it was Hogan and Warlord Warrior or maybe vice versa. But that was the idea initially when they split the powers of pain up in the early 90s was they're going to work with Hogan and Warrior. Obviously, neither one of those came to fruition, and mm. for probably pretty good reason. And I love Barbarian as a worker, but there's little, not a lot of charisma there to be main eventing. No, I remember uh, Barbarian. Huge arms. Uh, well, Warlord was a slight bit bigger as far as thickness, but right, right. Barbarian's arms are so sick, man. And Bar, Bar was just man. a good worker, though. Like for what he was, I mean, I'm off the top rope and all that bullshit. Yeah, he was fucking uh, agile and tough as shit. See, I see him. You know, I'd see him sober when I'd stewed for the midnights and all that over there at the Civic Center, and then at the hotel bar. I'd see him drunk and shit, and it was like. <laughs> I always remember Rick Rude. I don't know if he said it publicly, but he said it there and maybe publicly afterward that he got stuck rooming with the Barbarian. And Rude was never one to put anybody's toughness over. Right. Except his, because he was a legit shooter. He could yeah, fucking he was fuck. a badass. They used to knock people out with one punch, they used to say, in the in the bars. And Rude openly said, uh, when I room with Barbarian, I slept with one, one, one eye open. He's like, that dude's a bad motherfucker. So, and it's so funny because they say the only two people that the barbarian was afraid of were Haku, who was his best friend, his buddy, his brother, whatever, and his wife. <laughs> the stories are hilarious. His wife owned him. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, like his I wife know owned him. About. Yeah, his wife owned him. Like yes, yes, ma yes, ma'am, or whatever kind of deal. And then I remember watching the shoot where they interviewed Barbarian. Who was tougher? You or Ming? They barely finished the sentence. He goes, Ming. Like, he didn't <laughs> fucking hesitate. And Barbarian's a tough motherfucker, like you said. 
And he didn't even yeah. fucking wait a second. He goes, Ming. Like, he, he was just like right on top of it. It's fucked up. It's the old saying, like, there's always somebody out there tougher. And you got that guy in your head that, like, for whatever reason, he, you might be better at fucking touch football or fucking you might have been a better baseball or basketball player coming up. But if you wrestled around, you always had that feeling that he had your number. And it's funny to hear adult pro wrestlers that are, like, really legit tough people. Right, right, right. Uh, mention somebody that they admit is, has got their number. Before we wrap it up with those guys, yeah, personal, and then we can just, you know, go down some of their top stars real quick and say something good or bad about them. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, personal note, that shitty show, but I do like uh, Adam Page. Um, <clears throat> the Which, who just came back, and, for those who don't follow. Yeah, that was in my home. It's not exactly my hometown, because I'm not in the city of Philadelphia, but I'm right yeah, outside get out of there. the suburb. No offense, Always no offense. Jesus. So uh, they, they, they booked the Temple, uh, Temple Owls and Temple University building, which holds about 10,000, I guess. And uh, trivia note, here, if I keep getting on these side topics, we're going to be here till fucking tomorrow. But um, I was an extra in Creed Two at Temple. You can't see me. Not to steal John Cena's deal. But, <laughs> I was going to say, man, uh, you can't do that. Yeah, that. Uh, but I was I was featured almost in Creed number one at the le- when he fights uh, Ricky Bobby. No, Ricky somebody. <laughs> Ricky, Bobby. <laughs> Ricky Bobby was Talladega Nights. Ricky somebody right. um, who had English. children who were Walker in Texas Ranger, which fucking awesome. <laughs> it's the name of my horse on Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay, is that video games? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm out of that scene, so I'm kind of like. Uh, an old man looking at Elvis on Ed Sullivan with, with gaming. But, um, yeah, and Creed 1, I, uh, I skyrocketed because of my size and look. My buddy Jay, Big Jay, is 6'5 and 3-something. So the first day I was pissed because he got the gig to be at ringside for that fight scene of the main fight. And, you know, actually in ring and on ring and on the apron and all that shit. But he can only do it one day. So good old TR took over for six days of taping. Right Finished product. If you really look, you can see me during that end of that fight with Max Kellerman in the ring and Jim Lampley ringside. And, you know, I was right there with Sly for five days and he actually acknowledged me one day. I really had these delusions of he and I getting together afterward and talking about our mutual friend, Terry Funk. And, you know, I would be cool with Sly, but never really happened. But you can <laughs> see me uh, in the ring. Actually, I'll try to find it and send it to you, and then you could be more specific with the people. Okay. If you will. Uh, yeah. But where were we? Uh, AEW, they did Temple. I at Tony Khan a lot because I know that he used to, when I kind of bowed out of the internet stuff, you know, I had many lives uh, lived. Uh, my daughter is almost 25. So at one period when AOL was big, I kind of was the lunch pail go to work with my, you know, ex expecting me home and I didn't follow as closely. I still followed, but I wasn't the presence that a John McAdam was right, or a John Muse, but both were great friends um, forever. And 
Tony Khan was in their little AOL groups or whatever the fuck and buying tapes. And well, he actually, there was some kind of financial arrangement with McAdam and him about tapes. Don't recall. John McAdam dot com was a thing. Yeah, that, that's the thing. He he stuck around, and I, you know, I wasn't active that right. much. Right. Um. So I'm like one generation from being a buddy of the guy who's changing wrestling with both his talent signings and booking and money, quite frankly. And Dave Meltzer, he's always been a, a Meltzer guy, and I'm a Meltzer friend and stuff. So I always add him because I know he knows who I am and shit. And but some of my tweets, if people don't <laughs> read them, I know you see them. I, you know, I just say the way I feel. I don't. I'm kind of Val Venus like in that I don't like Nyla Rose being a 300 pound man beating up little girls. And you know, that's just one of the examples how I don't roll with political correctness. Uh, I just feel what. I feel and speak what I feel is the truth. So I think, you know, maybe that played a part, but I'm not going to say I tried to be there, but I uh, I put some feelers out and I, I got nothing. Uh, to his credit, Chris Harrington, are you familiar with him? Yes. He's what, number two to Tony Khan in some kind of capacity? He was in the TV meeting, I know that. Yeah, I don't know where he lies in that whole genre of uh, people around Tony Khan, but yeah, I, I am familiar. He's up there, and I he has an open inbox on Twitter. I don't know if he still will after this broadcast, but <laughs> um, I said, hey, man, if you guys are in town, I, I was more looking for Tuesday instead of the actual event, but, you know, my, my schedule worked out better for me that way. You know, uh, full transparency, who wouldn't want to work for AEW? The guy pays. It's once a week, maybe twice if there's a pay-per-view. Are you kidding me? And, you know, so I, I feel no shame in putting it out there. I had a, a background in independent pro wrestling, just like every single one of those motherfuckers that works there. So, except maybe Sting, right? But <laughs> Fast track. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Um, Damn you, so, Sting. <laughs> Damn, no selling again. He just goes right to the fucking Mid-South. Actually, he went to Memphis. Mid so. Memphis, then Mid-South. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, yeah, I wanted to be around there, and uh, I'm going to name names. Fuck it. We're getting gossipy now. I hit up Joe Feeney, who, in, in Japan, and I think he, he'll roll with this because he's a good guy. Uh, he's, you know, JoJo the producer over there at Conan's show. Not O'Brien, Conan, I should say. Um, so I hit it at one hundred. Keep it at one hundred, yes. And as Conan says on there all the time, tremendous. But anyway, that was a little Conan for you people. Yeah, one word, tremendous. That's uh, that's my Conan. Um, not fucking with Conan. Just uh, anyway, Joe. <laughs> he was my young boy at the bar called the Red Lantern. When my friend Eddie introduced me to him, and he had a real fucked up perception of the world of pro, pro wrestling. But I could tell he was, you know, had the eye of the tiger, so to speak, as far as being a smart, wanting to know more type of fan. And now he makes a living doing, uh, you know, I don't know what the fuck he does with Conrad. He does some fucking stooge work, and I don't say that derogatorily. Is that a word? It is um, now. In a derogatory manner is the way you're going to clean it up on the, on the edit. Um, but, yeah, um, 
He does that, but he has his own fucking creative control network. Now he's getting a plug out of me when I'm mad at him. And he's JoJo, the producer, lives like five minutes from me. And I know he's fucking always talking with Don Callis, and I don't think he was there, but I know he's got a connection or two over there. And uh, reached out to him, said, yo, what's going on? You know, blah, 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 without going into specifics. Didn't get back to me. Now, I'll give him a break because it was his 40th birthday the night before. He was out with his wife, and then his friends got first row, like, as soon as tickets were available. But on Friday Night Rampage, when uh, Cage threw Starks in the crowd, he landed on Feeney. That's JoJo, the producer from Conan. But JoJo, if you're fucking listening, you didn't call me back, you prick. You would have called me fucking ten years ago at the Red Lantern for any fucking piece of advice. Or any fucking thing wrestling related. So call me back when I ask to fucking call me back. <laughs> well, there you go. And, uh... Comedian Alex Perlman was always, uh, he was a ring announcer a couple times, or maybe more. Sorry if I disrespected you, Alex, uh, for Chikara. So he was fans with improv, former improv comic Bryce Remsburg, who's now the referee. Right. He's there. Everybody on my fucking Facebook and Twitter are there. But, you know, I got the old school Harley Lewis, my old buddy from the Indies mentality. Like, Ooh, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, you don't show up, it shows you're not booked that. So uh, it was kind of like, you know. You sounded like Rodney Dangerfield there. Well, Harley had this, I don't, I haven't talked to him other than cyber-wise in a while, but for a while he had this Andrew Dice Clay meets Rodney meets Caveman type voice. You know, it was was just hard to, uh, (laughs) hard to really nail the impression, but. I could remember him walking into a bar and just looking at girls and going, blow us. Didn't care about anything. Back in the day. Crazy motherfucker, good work. When you could do that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, back to business. Sure, sure. (laughs) It was in Philadelphia, and uh, I kind of wanted to to, to network, and I never finished the Chris Harrington thing. of all the people I reached out to, the most important one, the guy who's closest to the top, he didn't write me a specific reply, but he made sure to follow me, which showed me some respect. So thank you, Chris Harry. Right on, right on. You know, there's some, you know, I don't want to go off topic completely, and I won't because I'm not going to name names, and I'll talk to you actually about it off air now that I think about it. But, you know, between some of the shit that I went through this year, which um, I know you're familiar with, I I made it public, some of the, my own health and, and some other things. And there have been a few people who will not respond to me on my social media, but they will actually DM me. And okay. they're great people. Just the things they say, they go out of their way to contact me. But at the same time, they only do it that way, I think. So they don't rock the boat with the people that they record shows with, if that makes sense. Sure. So, so you know, when you're talking about these guys and stuff, yeah, I, I gotta say, I appreciate. It. I tell them, I tell them in private in the DMs and things like that. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking two minutes out of your day to tell me, hang in there, dude. Like, I'm glad you're okay. I, the fact that you even know I exist, much less that you're, you know, telling me these things, and I get it. Like, they don't, they don't say I'm only doing this privately because, like, I get, I, I see why you're doing it. It's sad. 
that it comes to shit like that because heaven forbid you acknowledge another podcaster because you work for yeah. uh, you know podcaster X over here. Uh, that's I, I will never be that way, but you know I get you know it's 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 unfortunate, but. If they're listening right now, I, those guys know who they are, and thank you guys so much for all the cool stuff you do. And it just kind of re- you made me think of that because of what you were just saying. Not that it's the exact same thing, but you know what I mean. It's pretty much similar. It's very similar. Where right? I mean, not not so much for your end as far as because uh, I'll, I'll just say I say some things on air at three a.m. that I, that make me cringe that I delete, but. Um, <laughs> Mick Foley never, never unfollowed me. Fucking John Cena never unfollowed me. Here comes the name drops. X-Pac. I don't know. There's a shitload of others, but people that, you know, whatever. But like, I'll make a a point that's not going with the narrative of, of Twitter. Wrestling related, non-wrestling related, whatever. And it'll get like one like from a random person. No, never real arguments. I give credit to people that are, that put something anti what I said. At least they have the balls. But then I'll look at that little thing called impressions, right? And I'll have thousands of impressions on these tweets. So they're reading. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. There are certain guys, just really good guys. You can salt of the earth guys. Like you can just tell. Like when they're on their shows, when they're on their Twitter, their social media or whatever, they're just good people, but they feel binded to respect other people's wishes. And so they got to pretend maybe like they don't know that we exist, even though they do and they're good people. So they reach out and go, good show, or I'm sorry that happened. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm here if you need to talk or, uh, you know, I hope everything's great, you know, okay. And shit like that. So. A lot of good people out there. I wish I could just throw their names out here, but out of the respect to them, I won't. Nah, that's cool, man. I, I totally get it. And I, uh, the people in the know that are listening get it. You know, it's it's some people could get fired for putting me over. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that deep with you because you're a pretty straight shooter, but you're not really over the top as far as I've read. But maybe that, maybe you don't even feel some of the way I feel, you know, about certain issues. You know, to your credit, but, you know, I get what you're saying. You were down for a while physically and, you know, we, we can share our old stories, like your story with Tommy Rich and so forth, but right, right. In, in this day and age, we can't quite frankly, we can, if we have one from 2021, because who the fuck knows if it gets twisted. So I get it from, I get exactly what you're saying. And I, I believe our listeners will as well. It may not be the showdown at the OK Corral, but it was the WWF versus WCW, Raw versus Nitro, the Monday Night War, the Ratings War, the NWO, the Attitude Era. While everyone discusses who won the war, it's truly the battles within the war that made this weekly episodic rivalry so exciting. We break it all down, from episode reviews to backstage news to those ever-important TV ratings. It's Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, exclusively as part of the WrestleCopia brand, available on WrestleCopia.com and all of your favorite podcast streaming apps. Um, let's just, you know, throw some names at each other, what you think of them, whatever. 
I'll go Jungle Boy first. They're high. Well, that's on funny. Boy. That would have been my first one too. So right on. All right, he to me, uh, Tony Khan again with the songs. He bought that fucking single. Love it. Which is Love it. Great idea, but to me, makes it, me think of the old Listerine commercial from thirty years ago on my VHS tapes when I watched Superstars. Anybody who's like a mark like me with a tape collector, they're they're marking out for right now for what I just fucking said. That's a fucking <laughs> reference. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's you know I I, don't, I probably brought this up before too, but you know that's so that's what sucks about dealing with me. I bring stuff up over and over and don't remember <laughs> the the fucking uh, documentary with David Arquette. Uh, you can't kill David Arquette. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Boy had a brief comment or background scene in it. Luke Perry was at the show where Nick Gage basically almost killed him. And, uh, you know, it's been clear, like PWG, for instance, it's always been clear that he's Luke Perry's kid. Um, Jim Ross must be on the same page with me. He calls him Jungle Jack Jack Perry. Perry. Oh, yeah. All the time. From day one. The rest of of them are, are fucking... He's a he's a fucking caveman. He's you know from land of the lost. He's Chaka, or whatever the fuck, and you know I, Chaka. He's, yeah, what a reference. He's got a, or a slee stack. Um, that's even <laughs> deep. But he's uh, he's got a good little body of work. He obviously he's been quoted as saying he hides when they ask him to do a promo. He's got a great piece of ass. Uh, but that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So back on topic, he's one of the four pillars, which has been acknowledged on their TV program uh, of their young stars. I don't know. I think to be a star, you got to be yourself, especially if everybody knows you yourself and you're not coming from a fucking cave and, you know, on naked and afraid before you show up to tapings. (laughs) I don't know. A loincloth and, you know, he's not wearing a loincloth, but you get it. But maybe I'm wrong because when he comes out to that fucking song and he's on Luchasaurus's shoulders, he's over as fuck. So what do you think there? So Marco's stunt is out of the picture for me. That's fucking, you don't need that, okay? So I'll I'll throw that away. I am not with Cornette in the fact that he hates, what's that? Real quick, before, I I don't want you to lose the train of thought, but. No, yeah, yeah. Marco's stunt never bothered me, just saying. It doesn't matter. It bothers me. Go ahead. Okay, it's not cool. because of his size. Well, it is a little bit because of his size because they have him do moves and guys take those moves. That's a bit silly. It's just unnecessary for me. I don't care what size he is. It just feels like a third wheel. That's that's my take on him. Luchasaurus, mm. I love the look. I love the size. He, You know, I just heard Cornette say all he does is throw kicks, and I said, you know, that's all I ever see him do. Uh, I like it. I like the entrance or whatever. I love the song, the old uh, Tarzan boy. Uh, I remember Taz on commentary when they debuted the song, marking out and doing the Tarzan singing on commentary. Uh, that was uh, the funniest uh, I think. What? Oh, fucking Taz enjoying himself. That's in- insane. When I grew up in the 1990s, Taz, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, You're my hostage, Bob Ortiz, and fuck you, you know, and, and now he's singing Tarzan boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how times change. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but he has great singles matches with the right people. He is ready for the next level. I'm obviously not in promo wise, but wrestling wise, he is. But then they just keep relegating him back to a tag team match, or back to these eight mans, or back to whatever. And 
I, I don't know that he's going to be the same if you break him away from the Luchasaurus thing. Like, I almost want that to be not his bodyguard because he's a baby face, but just like maybe his sidekick. Is, I don't know how you do that with a baby face, but at the same time, the dude uh, went from doing a bunch of stupid high spots to the last few. And like I said, I don't watch AEW every week, but when I watch the important matches, he's doing like two crazy high spots a match instead of 40. And the rest of the match is a wrestling match. It's like, this kid can go. He can work. Yes. As long as you fucking channel him in, bring him in, and go, this is what we're doing, and you put the match together, and he's working whoever. He is a talent, and I, I love it. And, I, and I'm with Jim Ross. I'm with Jim Ross from day one. Jim Ross said this two years ago. Why don't you want to be known? Jungle? I'm sorry, I do a shitty Jim Ross, especially when I'm not even trying. But why don't, why don't you want to be known after your dad? You know, that's how you, like, you should want to do that, like Jungle Jack, period. That's why Jim Ross still does it. Nobody corrects him because it's Jim Ross. So, you know, it's not Vince. You don't say that shit, pal. Yeah. So so Jim Ross says whatever he wants. I just heard him say it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, he's been doing that yeah. the, the whole time. Like you said, nobody else does it. And he's even said he told him two years ago, why don't you do this? And clearly that's not what he wants to do. No, I, I think he's a, a great talent waiting to... Hit that next level. If Tony yep. Khan, fucking. if he would fucking get out of his own way and let somebody else book the shit. Uh, I was going to mention Tony Khan, and then if you had a comment, so be it, and we'll wrap it up on Jungle Boy. But sure, could it be? Could Tony Khan be such a visionary and smarter than Ray Russell and Tom Robinson thinks he is? And be using Jungle Boy with the, you know, preposterous gimmick with the Luchasaurus because it works in the song and the yada, yada, yada. And it's thinking in 2024, he can be Jack Perry. Could he be looking down the road for a singles Jungle Boy being that guy? I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so, (laughs) because I don't know that in 2024, it's going to mean as much. Uh, Everybody gets older and nobody knows what a Luke Perry is. And, you know, it doesn't mean as much. I don't know that Tony Khan looks beyond two weeks. I don't, he likes to profess himself as a booker. Okay. Uh, he, he throws a bunch of random matches. Together. If you give me a list of 10 guys, Tom, that are tremendous workers, and I just keep fucking randomly changing the match every week, that's not booking. You know what I mean? That's not long. It's certainly not long-term booking, but it's barely booking. I mean, if you know, if this is 1987 and my roster is Randy Savage and Ric Flair and even Hulk Hogan by name value and, you know, whoever, and I just keep interchanging these guys into different matches week to week or month to month, am I really a good booker? Or am I just fucking putting a bunch of good wrestlers in, in random matches? And that's kind of my worry is, I don't know, I just I think Tony Khan lets guys do whatever they want to do. And sometimes it's like John Moxley, for example. That dude is his own worst enemy. If if he's on your list of guys to talk about, I loved Dean Ambrose in the WWE. I thought he had a great personality. I thought he he really thought hard about his character. I thought little the little tiny things were clever. I went to a Raw where the shit he did during the commercial breaks made me appreciate him even more because I felt like he got it. And then 
when he went to AEW, I was so excited. I'm like, finally, let this guy off the leash. They kept calling him the next Roddy Piper because of his promo ability. But to me, it was more than that because he put on some really good matches wrestling-wise in the WWE. And then he went to AEW, and every match has just been trash because he wants this CZW-type shit. So, I don't know. You know, I'm going to go the opposite on Mox. Okay. not complete. It's not a disagreement on your philosophy. It's, it's a disagreement because, as Jim Ross, who's been mentioned, probably a recurring guy will mention, has said uh, Moxley's a different breed of cat. And I don't know if it was earlier on air or off air that, uh, you know, when he was on Cabana, he said his favorite wrestler ever was the same man. And like you said, he did shit on commercial breaks raw that you appreciated. And self-admittedly, he would do a lot of shit to pop the boys as opposed to the, the viewing audience, which probably isn't the best for business, but that's the way he is. And I just kind of admire that weirdness where he can show up at that fucking game changer wrestling and fucking work Nick Gage and uh, just show up at these goofy ass shows. His wife says he's living his best life. He did have some actual, like you kind of, I guess we're referring to in WWE. He had some good fucking matches and AEW is more, just let me throw you out of the ring and fucking we'll trade fucking forearms and blah, 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 blah. But I kind of, I can't, not that I like his matches, but I don't like matches. I, I like, uh, unless they're really, really special. I like the bullshit. I like the gypsy characters that just come somebody I want to drink a beer with or whatever. And that's my appeal to Moxley as Moxley. He's just, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned it on social media, but I, I would like him to not be so generous. I would like him to throw a guy out of the ring and then not sell for the guy, punch him in the face when he chases him. I'd like him to be Kevin Sullivan and punch bitches in the face and just fucking throw people out and just be totally fucking nuts and dominate them. But that's my little critique on the way I would like him to work. But wild thing with the fucking FMW shit. and I don't know. I, I like him. I, I don't like... When I say I like them, I don't sit here, uh, and I do watch every show of AEW, but, you know, I won't sit there intently like I do an MJF promo, for instance, or or that dream match in anticipation, but I will watch it, and I, I don't hate much that I see from him. Yeah, see, like, when he started doing the hardcore garbage and he did it with Omega, I thought, okay, he got out of the system. Now let's get back to working wrestling matches. And it's just been nonstop garbage match after garbage match after garbage match. I saw so much of that shit, Tom, when it was, you know, in its inception. I mean, I had 8 million tapes of FMW and IWA in Japan and ECW's version and eventually, you know, Ian Rotten's crap and IWA Mid-South. I saw enough of that shit that I don't, I don't need to see any of it anymore. I'm not saying, well, that means nobody's ever going to do it again because I've seen enough of it. But he does, I've seen him be talented enough as a wrestler that he doesn't need to do this shit every fucking match or, or almost every, every important match that he wants to throw himself into. It's to go tell me a fucking story. And I get what you're saying. Not, you're not so big. You're more big on the, the character and things. And I get that. I was huge on Roddy Piper growing up and that dude couldn't work for a shit since he came out of California when he worked with Chavo and shit. Chavo senior for yeah. people who don't know. 
I mean, they were fucking, they were the last drawing house out there. And Piper could bump if you go back to the little footage that exists of him in California or late 70s Portland. Piper bumped. And there's probably a reason why he didn't bump going into the 80s, because he was already fucking half broken. But Roddy was Roddy. I mean, that was just a fucking character in itself. I mean, it was hardcore without the blood and the barbed wire and shit, basically. But I, I, I just, I don't know, dude. I got, I, I got so in love with the, with the Ambrose character, the personality, I should say. And then he would take these stupid ass bumps onto 40 chairs or whatever the hell he would do. I'm like, oh, that's cool, whatever. And he'd go on and have a nice wrestling match. So I was behind it. And when he came to AEW, it was just garbage match, garbage, oh, barbed wire, mouse traps. This, that, and the other. Okay, dude, but you did that the last 10 times. So I would love to see him go work a match with Punk or Daniel Bryan or Adam Cole. And those are just guys that just came in, but those are guys that are going to make him wrestle versus junk shit. I'm sure we're going to get some good matches if we get that. I think maybe, and, and it is a big maybe, if they match those guys. They should. I mean, that's a drawing against any of the guys you just said. Yeah, that's money. I think. I think if they do go in that direction, that he won't make them work that style. It'll be kind of a cooperation, and he'll have a good, you know, wrestling match again, which he's shown he's capable of. Obviously, right. um, we'll wrap up with him soon because we're dragging on with him. But his early days before he got his break, I want to see those interviews like now. Um, <laughs> he started to talk about his three-month-old being a maniac. I think it was the last show. And that was that Moxley that's the next Terry Funk, Roddy Piper, you know, fill in the blank. Right. Um, he talked about, you know, getting home in, in the ghettos of Cincinnati and hearing men with his mom and just fucking crazy shit. And it was so compelling. And then he just completely lost that with the script of WWE and he made the best that he could out of it. But I want to see, and I'm sure he's capable of it, just that kind of shit. Uh, I think we're both, if we met in the middle, you, the opinions we just suggested, mm -hmm. he would probably be the back to the top of, e, of AEW. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. If he could channel some of what he did and some of what he does and, and met in the middle, I, I agree with you. All right, Mox, you, uh, you're still on our good list. I think Jungle Boy's still on our good list too. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. just I'm waiting. But if for we keep going see. like this, we might go till tomorrow. So is it Darby Allen or maybe a couple others? Uh, Darby Allen, I can I can be real quick on my end. I, I I'm still in that position of he's there. He's too small to be as over as he is. But damn man, I just can't fucking not buy it. I buy it. I do agree with what Cornette said recently as far as his promos were kind of like. <sighs> I keep so, him off the mic. So dull. So dull. Yeah, I keep him off the mic. Yeah. And it helps the other persona being like a fucking enigma or whatever the fuck if you don't talk. And I know, think this so. is where the translation is lost from the old school of wrestling versus the new school of wrestling. If I tell you, I, you should know this anyway, not you, Tom, but like the wrestler, should know this anyway, you need to capture. Back then, that's how what they had to do to fucking make money capture the uh, audience's attention. But if I tell you as a promoter today, because you don't know better, you've got to have more of a per personality. You got to go out there and you got to fucking get them 
And some of these guys, like a Darby Allen, either they don't know how to, or they think they that is their character that they shouldn't. Yeah, thumbs up for me on Darby Allen. He's you just said it. We said it probably before. He's a guy I did not want to like because he's barely bigger than Marco Stunt, and but he's like CM Punk said it like early. He 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 wants to wrestle in his accent, Darby, but he doesn't want to take his dive. And that that's one of the things about him that he just fucking I've never seen anybody hurl their body towards another man. And he's small enough to do it without killing him. I mean, right. and it's it's awesome. It's, nobody could uh, that makes fun of you for watching pro wrestling could watch him dive into somebody and be like, that's fake. You know, so I uh, I got a thumbs up on Darby. I think we're being positive about AEW, aren't we? Yeah, because we're naming all <laughs> all the the reasons too. Right. right. I mean, there there are quite a few that I could fucking go the other way with, but I'd rather talk positive. So I'm cool with that. Turn it on and rip the knob off. You pull the pin and we'll pick up the pieces. Join me, Ray Russell, and my co-host Stephen Ekstad as we take a trip down memory lane to wrestling history's past as we analyze and dissect complete years of wrestling history from your favorite promotions. From Hulkamania to Mania, from the Midnight Express to the Lex Express. Which promotion are we deep diving into next? What year have we time traveled back to now? Tune in and find out on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade, home of the free prize giveaway. So those are those are some uh, good choices. I mean, as far as uh, some of the other talent goes, that uh, they're on top. Uh, obviously, another guy who thinks he's on top is Cody Rhodes. But instead of talking about Cody, why don't we why don't we move the chains and talk about his wife, Brandy Rhodes? Or that? Or, or maybe not. Is this? I know this. I know this music. I, I've heard it before. Uh, is this Tiarnak? Is Tiarnak back on TR Shocks the World? Hey, <laughs> Ray Russell, how are you? <laughs> well, I was doing a little better before before you interrupted Tiarnak. Well, listen, I could not take any more of that AEW babble, you two balloon heads. <laughs> I don't think Tom would appreciate that. Fuck Tom. He's going <laughs> to the bathroom because he's pussy whipped. <laughs> well, you ain't shitting there. But that's another story to get into in another day. What can we do for you, Tiarnak, here on the show? Well, I, I, I'm trying to save Tom because he's a dumb fuck and a little mark who's still trying to get in the business at age 75. <laughs> That's not fair. Tom is not 75. He's he's only 74. Oh, he's a name-dropping fatso. But anyway, <laughs> I have some prepared material. You know I am the mystic sage and the greatest at what I do because I have special powers, Ray Russell. I, I know how you work. Sim, Saba Simba. Exactly. <laughs> Now, sometimes uh, I, I do share one commonality with Tom is that the brain kind of sneaks in and out of consciousness. Uh, I don't know what the questions or answers are, actually, and I should know as long as I've been doing this. <laughs> you don't know the questions or the answers? We're in a lot of trouble I, here. No, right, but everybody will get the jokes if you just go along with me. <laughs> All right. Well, since you spent your time calling into the show, we'll, we'll let it fly this time. 
Okay, I, I think I got it. And then I put the envelope to my head. Now it's like riding a bike. Isn't yes, it? there you go. Put the envelope to the head. The first answer. Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Okay, so Judas, I would think that has something to do with uh, Chris Jericho. And uh, Priest is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Damien Priest. Is it Jericho, Damien Priest? Do they have something in common? Oh, you're too smart for a guy from Ohio. <laughs> anyway, the envelope, I could just feel that. That's why I felt compelled to talk to you. I have the envelope to my head. There will be no sound effect. Judas Priest, that is the answer. The question, name a song that has been overplayed and a wrestler whose teeth look like they are fucking decaying. <laughs> oh, nasty. Uh, I'm gonna get killed for that one because he's from Jersey. <laughs> so we smile and get veneers, dude. Get veneers, Luis. <laughs> Big soap bars, as Cena would say. Cena, excuse me. <laughs> well, that wasn't very polite, Tiernak. Hey, if you don't like it, may your stash of gay porn spill out when your cousins help you move. <laughs> oh. Get rid of that secret. Oh, the guy has a dark side, and the Jacksons are on it. Don't admit that he tried to fuck them. <laughs> it was in their book, for God's sakes. Don't doubt Tiarnak. It was also on Thomas Jericho. He tried to fuck everybody he tried to train. He's not oh. a baby face. Oh, oh my God. Who better watch out than Canyon? <laughs> Poor Canyon. Yes, Tiarnak has a soft spot for his depression and so forth. Shouldn't make jokes, but he was a little creepy with the young guys. That's what that's what Tom tells me. Uh, I don't know where Tom went, but speaking of creepy, anyhow, <laughs> uh, I have so many more. I don't know if you have the time frame to 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 handle all this comedy gold, but. Tiernak, we have a lot of shit going on on this show right now, so maybe we have time for, like, one more this week. Ooh, I don't like being limited to, to <laughs> one. I might go to another show. Uh, oh, I was on other shows. Never mind. Uh, the answer. Wrong. What is it? The answer to the question, right? Help me out. <laughs> That's the answer. The answer. What are you, fucking Alex Trebek? <laughs> No, I'm the guy who tried to come in and got replaced because I had bad tweets or something. John Gruden. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to quote his tweets. <laughs> Anyhow, whatever the fuck this is. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I forgot. This is your stick, asshole. I know, I don't remember anything. Ask <laughs> my co-workers in real life. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the answer. Yes, that's right. Blues, tra <laughs> Blues Traveler. Okay. Dirty White Boy, Tony Anthony. Interesting. And the nat Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Blues Traveler. That's a... Uh... John Popper, Blues Traveler. Okay. Uh, Tony Anthony, I know him, Smokey Mountain, and you know, so Teal Hopper, Popper Hopper, okay, and Ric Flair. I have, <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea, Tiarnak, what Ric Flair has to do with John Popper and Teal Hopper. Okay, the question. Envelope to my head. 
I'm trying to rip it. It's like anti-Tiarnak rip paper. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> what the fuck? Who are John Popper, T.L. Hopper, yes. and a 70-year-old freak who always shows his chopper? Oh, my God. Oh. He's oh. just an old, perverted, triple-A booked fuck who's almost canceled. <laughs> he swings his cock around randomly with a robe. What a weirdo. <laughs> and he's probably getting extra heat because the last time his homie called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> The TR zone. <laughs> oh, 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 come on. We we don't have heat here with Ric Flair on, on uh, TR, TR Shocks the World. Well, since you apparently don't like my content tonight, may that coke-snorting bimbo Heidi Doyle be your flight attendant at an oh. overseas trip when you're tipsy. Oh. <laughs> out of here. Fuck that horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, neck. Well, I, I want to say thank you for dropping in, but I... Thank you. Uh, Tiarnak, he was just here. He, he uh, gave us a couple of his... Uh, he, he, I, I think Tiarnak was a little inebriated tonight. He wasn't sure what he was doing, and he wasn't very pleasant. And then he attacked Ric Flair for swinging his helicopter around. Every time. Every time I go to the bathroom or have to tend to some household stuff, one of those fucking people come on the air. And or probably or, fuck up the show for everybody. Yeah, well, then you get those phone calls too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a there's things still dinging. I I understand from what I was told on the way from the bathroom to here. Okay, Do you have a secretary like Bobby Heenan, Miss Betty. Maybe it's the voices in my head that that you know I don't know, but mm. yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry for that interruption from whatever. Be happy you weren't here, Tom. Just be happy you weren't here. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually, uh, I mean, I don't want to give this uh, scumbag credit, but usually my favorite additions when the, that TR night guy would pop in were the real ones that were really stupid and really dysfunctional. Did he meet that uh, criteria? Well, he was really stupid and really dysfunctional, so I suppose, I suppose so. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I missed it then. Uh, but glad he's gone. I don't see him in anywhere, any, uh, from my vantage point, as uh, Vince McMahon used to say. He said a lot of things. What a maneuver. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if I brought this up. Remember, I saw it live. You were probably like between zero and five. Okay. But it was with him or Bruno or him and Antonino Rocco when I was real young or, uh, it was especially with Pat Patterson as his uh, co-host. It would be a semi-competitive match. Like, I don't know, let's use the late Rick McGraw against. Okay. And I don't even know if this match ever happened against Ernie Ladd. Okay. He'd say who were going to come on and he'd go, it's Pick'em Time, Pop Patterson. <laughs> he would always say it's Pick'em Time, Pop Patterson. You know, he'd always throw the fucking guy off guard because they were all you know, Bruno, yeah. and the heavy accent and know what to say. <laughs> I'll tell and, you uh, the, the funniest one for me, and this is on the network or Peacock or whatever. I can't tell you the year or the month or whatever, but it's one of those 1970s all-star wrestlings that they added. And it was when Bruno was with Vince. 
And Vince gets to whatever the main event was, and it was not a big main event. It was like Stan Stasiak versus Special Delivery Jones or Dominic DiNucci or something like that. And Bruno throws him the fuck off and goes, I think it's going to be a disqualification, Vince. I go, what the fuck, Bruno? <laughs> like, like he's not asking you to actually legitimately fucking give the finish to the fucking stupid TV match. He's just asking you to pick a winner. And, like, Bruno's like, I think it's going to be a disqualification and so-and-so's going to win. And I'm like, holy fuck, Bruno, man. Damn, man. This is... <laughs> He's like wanting to do like a real, real pick em. Like Bruno's wanting to do a real pick. <laughs> but it's on there. I heard it and I, I laughed my ass off when he did it. Yeah, it was pick em time, Potterson. <laughs> uh, and every, all three of those guys had heavy accents. So I, you know, you oh, never yeah. re- quite understood what their response was. Well, Rocco was so bad you couldn't even fucking understand her to begin with. No, nah, it just sounded like some foreign guy yelling that was homeless. Yeah, I don't know how he got a job there other than his background from decades ago. No cartwheels in the commentary booth. (laughs) I like he had a resume, but whatever. It's a shame I wasn't even prepared to go in that direction or I would have practiced voices. I always love when Bobby would bust out in a Bruno uh, with with Gorilla on primetime and Gorilla could not hide the the laugh. Like Gorilla would die laughing and they, they wouldn't do a second take. So, so like yeah. Gorilla would bring up Bruno and Bobby would do something like it would be like an inside joke, but in Bruno's voice and Gorilla would lose it and it would, they would just leave it on the show. Yeah. That was <laughs> quite an era, man. Like, you know, some of the guys are stars today, allegedly, but those guys were just fucking gold. Yeah. Next level. Yeah. I think, you know, even like a student of the business who's like 20 some years old and I know we're finished with AEW, but. or um, AEW, I must call him, MJF, three letters, sorry. He watches old shit. His fucking dog or cat or whatever he's got is named Piper. You know, he's a student. Drove with Jimmy Cornette and all that kind of stuff from MLW. Sponge, student, all, you know, all that shit. The, The younger people will not understand the difference between the star level that those, as I call them, gypsies back then, had uh, yeah. as opposed to stars of today where you didn't just go out and bleach your hair blonde and buy a fucking gimmick like Bobby Heenan I'm you know referring to right and just age yourself I I agree with Vince in that respect when you're walking through an airport if you're going to get over you got to like get over everywhere you got to have somebody turn around and go that's a somebody that's a, and, that 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 guy's something yeah absolutely yeah or females now that they're in the business. Speaking of females, I don't know if you're ready, but I don't know if I'm ready, but well, it may be that time though. All right. (laughs) I think Barry White thinks it's that time anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been three months, so I don't know. I don't know that it's proper to do a sizzling six, but maybe something like a uh, tantalizing ten. No, no, no. No, even more. I have a special announcement about this segment. Yes, sir. You tell us. Um, I have been in love with a woman for over three years. 
believe it or not, and she is crazy as the day is long. That, that is fine. And uh, if the late Nathan Bush was here, he could uh, confirm you're my new uh, tag partner in podcasting. Um, so if you don't already know, you will learn. Uh, uh, Tim Dumbrova, etc. She has, uh, let's just say she's uh, moody sometimes. Okay. So some of my tweets, uh, when I tweeted that uh, Ty Conte looked attractive, I don't know if I used those exact words. Uh, she said I was a pedophile. Stop bothering those girls and being disrespectful to me, you creepy fuck. So... <laughs> I don't think I would be a pedophile for saying complimentary things about a 20-something woman, but everybody's entitled to their opinion. But the Sizzling Six was a segment that we've did twice where female wrestlers or wrestling personalities look their best. Are you with me, Ray? Yep, right with you. Yeah, you're right with me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so sizzling six, especially since we've been off for three months, I figured it won't be inappropriate or offensive for, as I said, my beautiful girl that I'm in love with now that she knows that I'm exposing the business, uh, going behind the curtain, so to speak, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a shoot that I do this in character. Of course, I don't absolutely, you know, actually mean these strange things we play some love music and we we go into it so i compiled 15 female performers so i guess we could call it what the f- final 15 but not really i know i don't know what we're going to do but well, fabulous we could do the fabulous 15 the uh fancy 15 the fantastic 15 whatever you want the fatal 15 i mean that could be anything but we can we can call them the final 15 that's what we want to do yeah, and I wrote them down earlier just so I rem- would remember kind of the order and uh, to show that I'm not the only, uh, you know, heterosexual man on this team. Ray's response was, that's a lot of pussy. <laughs> that's true. It's in the text. <laughs> yeah. So hit the music. We'll do it again. There you go. Uh, <laughs> this is TR's uh, three-month absence from the Sizzling Six, and we're labeling it. What was our final decision? The f- How about the Fire 15? Fiery? That's more of an no, adjective. Like, that, like the kids say with that new emoji where they put fire. Oh yeah, the flames. I got you. Fire, whatever the fuck it's called. You know what you're, what I'm talking about. The hot chip. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what they look like. Yeah, and it's really the tantalizing twelve. But I, I felt bad if if this is the last segment where I put females over. Aww. That the three. Uh, well, should I go? There? I don't know. But <laughs> obviously, my creative content is being uh, uh, what's that compromised. By the position I'm in of being a boyfriend, whatever the fuck I am. You're supposed so, to be in the Tom Robinson business. That's just what I was told. 
I know. And whoever that wasn't you that said that to me when I was in the middle of a tweet thing, I was going to get back to him with a like. Uh, if you're listening, you must listen because you mentioned that, whoever you are. I did see that and I popped for it. So I'm in the Tom Robinson business. Um, you could play a slow background if you want, or you could just listen, Ray. It's up to you. Coming in at number 15. Now, this is three months have passed by, and I don't have the original list of the Sizzling Six for the first two. But I'm going with just chicks that jumped off the screen at different, or I should say female professionals that jumped off the screen in an attractive way. Not in a, you know... Uh, Lioness Yasuka against Jaguar Yakota way. I don't I don't give a fuck if you can work or not. You're on my TV on my wrestling show. Hot chicks equal ratings. Hey, off so, topic for it real quick. How about Bull Nakano nowadays, man? I don't know. Is she hot? Holy fuck yeah. Alright, cool. All day I haven't long. seen a recent picture. Um You keep talking about not look it make up. fifteen, but if there if there's ever if this thing ever gets revived I'll keep her in mind. All right. Number 15. Oh, I see. I see some shit. Distractions, distractions. But yes, I get it. Uh, Look at Bull kind of now. Yeah. That's that's kind of like the opposite of the way I look then and now. Because <laughs> I used to look like a Japanese wrestler. With hair eight feet in the air. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and I'm going to get serious for these chicks, and we're going to tag every one of them so they can hear their props. I'd tag them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got number 15. Well, you don't know who I'm going to say yet, but well, maybe you do. Um, number 15. Wow. Got to give this Latina star uh, some major props. And it's, you know, a lot of reasons, but one specific reason. Baby girl, Thunder Rosa. Rosa has a teenage son. I didn't know there was a Brian Rosa, by the way. That was a bummer. He's uh, the husband of this woman. Hmm. Former MMA person and uh, still works out in that in that genre. Um, <laughs> I, I hear the, the slow Barry White in the background. That's nice. Um, she was a godfather hoe. Did you see that tweet? Yeah, I did, actually. Many years she ago. She kind of looked like uh, nothing spectacular, and that's not disrespectful. It's just it was a picture from afar, and maybe she didn't have her confidence or her workout schedule. But now she's got that sexy tattoo on her upper hip area, and her buttocks, and all things considered, with a teenage son, a husband, you would think that somebody might rest on their laurels. And quite frankly, if they were like a regular housewife. Not yours, Ray. I've never met your housewife. I'm not saying anything about any of my friends. There's exceptions to the rule. But a lot of these women out there, they start eating the potato chips and waiting for the hubby to get home on Friday with the paycheck. Thunder Rose is the exact opposite of that. That butt is probably tastes like a fucking Nacho Bell Grande. Uh, <laughs> God bless you, Thunder Rosa, and your work, but your butt 
made you be acknowledged here. It is uh, amazing that a mother of that age, I don't care if it's 2021, I'm uncancelable, and I don't think you personally would be offended, but a fat chick with blue hair and a white millennial dude would probably be offended by me <laughs> saying that you're fucking hot. So you get number 15 slot, and only because I haven't had that much exposure. Steve Rake! All right. Strike can mean uh, a bad thing in baseball, but a good thing in bowling. Good thing in bowling. I am going to throw in my all-time favorite. Um, And you can jump in with any of these, Ray, if you want to. But my all-time favorite at one point, I didn't think anybody before, during, or after her was as straight-up sexy as her. And that was a girl named Jamie who was trained by Jason Knight, who I had a fist fight with at the Marriott Hotel. Um, so I felt, I feel like we're connected. Actually, she was actually trained by him and the Samoans, but her name is Jamie. And her first high-profile boyfriend in the business was Hurricane. Whatever his name is, I can't think of it at the moment. Can you help me? The Hurricane? Shane Helms. Shane Helms, yeah. The Gregory Hurricane. Helms, there's her. Gregory Helms, Shane Helms, fucking Helms mayonnaise, or is that Hellman's? Anyway, yes, we don't want to get the uh, mayonnaise conversation going, or this will get really strange. Yeah. Uh, Miracle Whip. Anyway. uh, I'm a male guy. um, Well, yeah, I am. (laughs) Uh, But we got uh, this woman. She moved on and kept her romanticizing within the wrestling business, which makes me uh, more interested, was the Motor City machine gun Chris Saban. And then she moved up as far as the uh, financial status and the status in the uh, all-timer business and is now still, I believe, uh, I don't know, married maybe, I'm not sure, to Bubba slash Bully Ray. Now, when you think of Chris Saban, Hurricane, and Bubba Dudley with a smoking hot jig, I don't know about you, but I think attainable. Oh, yeah. There's there's something wrong there. Right place, Um, right time. But uh, she went on to talk about some personal, uh, and it is, uh, there's a, let me sneak in a serious moment here. There is a hashtag tag me in United on Twitter about mental health issues that the wrestling community is banding together to try to uh, help out. She had recently on Instagram uh, talked about her journey, and this is totally killing my boner to say it, um, that she had problems uh, with anxiety and panic attacks and a lot of stuff, and now she's recovered an NWA commentator next to Austin Idol who constantly flirts with her, and I think that's funny as shit. He actually tries to touch her and shit. Shit that he could get away with in the 70s, which is pretty fucking funny. Right, right. But Velvet Sky, Jesus Christ, the beautiful people, the ass that used to, as Taz would say, release the pigeons. That, oh my lord, have mercy. Met her in person (laughs) with, after a show, she had no makeup on. She obviously came straight from the show. Didn't go up and doll herself up. Still looked fucking incredible. Um, I needed to acknowledge her if this is going to be the last segment. So Velvet Sky, boom. Why'd you get married, though? But anyway. <laughs> uh, 
Outside the top 12, the last name is an Asian woman who's on the uh, no longer viewing list because it's for Impact Wrestling, and I have yet to go off about their release of Tommy Dreamer. But there is a character there who was portraying a Karen named Susan. Uh, That didn't work for me too well. But she also, her original gimmick, she's back to now. But there was one in the middle where she wore, uh, it wasn't a wedding gown, but it was very similar. And her cleavage was a, a highlight of everything. And her natural face with a little little uh, mole and, and so forth. And combine that with the Sue Young sexuality fucking freakishness. Kill you after I fuck you gimmick. Sue Young. Check her out if you have yet to see her. All right, and an extra boing for the so forth there from Tom. <laughs> I didn't even notice. What sucks is that I, I, I started this off by, with my disclaimer, and I think you can probably tell, Ray, that I'm, I'm not as comfortable talking about these, these hot women. Well, I, I feel lose. like we're, we're 15, 14, 13. I feel like as we keep going, you've got to, you've got to get there. I feel like you will. All right. I think I will, too. So they were kind of the honorary ones that had to jump in. Um, right on. Just to with the last three months, they would have been sizzling six girls. It was It's two months and some change, I think, but almost three. Um, so if we rush another show, maybe there'll be a new one. I don't know. Number 12. The lesbian, open lesbian, which in 2021 is supposed to be cool. But to me, it's cool like the 80s. It's woo, baby. Uh, We're talking about interracial lesbian at that. So everything is on the table. Everything's going on over there. Her girlfriend is AEW's Diamante. She went from Impact Wrestling to AEW Dark. And I mean dark. And we're talking about a young lady with an ass... And I said ass that can only be compared to sunny kisses. I'm talking, this thing is, I don't care if she just ran cross country. I'm sucking on that ass. And that is lady number 12, much success in the future for Tony Khan and AEW, Kira Hogan. I need sex. Oh, yeah. Number 11. In the whatever the fuck 12 or whatever the fuck 15, we had a short run with a woman's evolution. We've had that in the WWE, but Mickey James came out and was a promoter and all this stuff. And it was combined with an NWA pay-per-view run by Billy Corgan and all those people out there. And they did it at the chase in St. Louis. Well, the champion at the time took on an AEW insert. Their champion goes out with the former boyfriend of Charlotte Flair. His name now is Thomas Latimer, which is probably his real name. When Camille Brickhouse came out with her six-foot-something frame with her heels on, on AEW and was taken to her first row seat to put that match over, her fucking tits were so awesome. And the rest of the body did not disappoint. 
Camille Brickhouse comes in at number 11. The top 10 can start off, and she might have been rated higher, but she went public that she was not currently available. And this is one that my beautiful, probably wife-to-be, Robin, I have to mention her every once in a while, she likes wrestling, but she doesn't understand that I got to put over to chicks because the demo of people listening to us are just like me, just like Ray. Ray's a married man. He likes looking at pretty chicks. That's my wife gets goes. it. My wife gets it. Your wife gets it. She gets um, it. Yeah, well, I mean, if Robin was here right now, she'd get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyhow. Um, I'm straying from from the from the top girls and the top ten. Oh, yeah. yeah, baby. And we're starting with one Anna J. All right, she's back in business. Yeah, no hurt arm, no more, and no hurt arm to jack off when you get a shot at that ass. And the AEW producers and production crew has done a great job of, let's just say, good photography of these ladies while they're in the ring in pinning combinations, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Anna Jay from Georgia comes in at number 10, and if you didn't put that picture out there with little Perry boy, you may be even higher, baby. All right, coming in at number, number nine, we'll stay in the all-elite wrestling brand. Now, this is somebody I went back and forth. Will she ever make the sizzling six? Because she's... Unique. She was a former Impact talent. She's married to the former Pepper Parks, a.k.a. Braxton Sutter. She is the bunny. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll go with that on a top ten any day. The bunny, let's just cut to the chase. She has breast implants that look fantastic to me. We're talking uh, fake is the new fantastic. I don't care if it's 1980s Pam Anderson or 2021 Bunny. And I used to call her Buffalo Hot. She, uh, my girl has a V-log as does Sammy Guevara and Ethan Page and a bunch of others that are basically a copy of being the elite. But you see some interesting stuff there. And she has that tongue ring and that weird look. And I imagine her husband, the Blade, is just sitting there with his uh, hairy abs that are ripped up, and the butcher's probably behind her. And it's just an imaginary thing. It's not, I'm not saying this happens, but I can imagine her being a buffalo slut with that fucking tongue ring that she always showcases. And I just, and I say slut in a complimentary way, not not anybody's chick, but you know what I'm saying. Oh the yeah, bunny makes makes this makes this list as a sexy mofo coming in at number eight we're still in the land of tony khan a good hire another mma trained woman that the wwe just grabbed and let go i'd like to grab and let her go and that's sweet butt sweet cheeks ty conti (laughs) who my lovely did i mention the name robin before Oh, yeah. My attractive, beautiful, great smile, great eyes, great body, everything. Told me I was a, and I might have said this before about a younger woman, but she told me I'm a pedophile because I like these girls. 
I last I checked, you had to be under the age of eighteen in most states to be even considered that. But I get heat for sending tweet. I'm rhyming again to this Brazilian bombshell with the butt the buttocks. I believe her mom's younger than me because I saw a picture with them too. This girl has the butt. Oh my god. She could fart and I could snort it. This <laughs> this tie. Anyway, little stiff in the ring, still beating people up, but I'm with her. Now this is a little homer coming at number seven, and it's very odd that I'm going all AEW at this point, but Penelope Ford. She wow, gets the a, award. There's another no brainer. She gets the award for worse taste than a Velvet Sky. But <laughs> she because she had who? Uh Joey Janela and then Kip Sabian. That's not yeah. that impressive for that kind of fucking heat she's bringing. But we're talking about a girl that can actually work when you watch her work. But that ain't what I'm watching. I'm watching that split and that sound of suction as the uh, you know spread of the legs slams against that canvas. It's like a <laughs> sound if you have a sound effect for that. And I got to find that one. Penelope, as I call her, is from Philadelphia, allegedly. And, you know, if if Penelope ever runs into TR in a bar, I don't know where Kip's going to end up. But, <clears throat> goddamn, you make my list, girl. Uh, number six <laughs> is, is something. It's one of those, if loving her is wrong, I don't want to be right. But I've been fighting it. This woman just got drafted to the big leagues, as they say. Since the Wuhan lab scam and this terrible pandemic, I have not been a big fan of China. And I don't mean Joni Lauer. I mean China, China. And this export is something that, hell, I'll get infected by any day of the week. We're, talk- we're talking fucking thick thighs. Mm. Thick thighs. <laughs> Thick thighs and nice ass and what appears to be surgically enhanced breasts. Um, we're talking a girl that can give me a spinning back kick and miss and can hit me with some jizz juice. You know what I'm saying? Bask in the ambience. Basking in the ambience. Uh, I don't know Chinese. I barely, I don't know Japanese. Look <laughs> at these Mexican. dirty whatever that thing is. Uh, but Zia Lee is one piece of Chinese ass, and it won't, you don't need to take a goddamn uh, booster shot to protect you against that one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number five. Now, this one is kind of off the wall because there was an independent wrestler when everybody was making uh, either loving comments or hateful comments towards one Joey Ryan about his dick flip. Well, this girl was on that South California kind of scene at that time and had a controversial viral video where she pulled a tampon out of her vagina. Oh, yeah. That woman was formerly known as Priscilla Kelly. Well, she dyed her hair fake red, uh, a.k.a. Becky Lynch style, showed up in NXT, got some tits from somewhere, and before she got together with the current group she's in, 
slithered to the ring with a creepy-ass song, and I'm sold. Gigi Dollar looks, and her ass isn't perfect. She looks like a chick that grew up liking wrestling who had, at 2 a.m., you're like, oh, man, I never knew she was that hot, but, you know, now that I'm looking at it open-mindedly, she wasn't the captain of the cheerleaders or nothing, but, man, she probably fucked my brains out. And Gigi, you're number five, baby. Number four, and this woman frustrates me because she kind of description of number five, and she's mm. a wrestling first. I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, <laughs> now uh, I like the innocence back then of not being a uh, say, Tori Wilson or Trish Stratus type, which both of which I give a left limb for. Don't want to disparage their, their physical looks. They're, they're both top, probably top two of all time. But as far as wrestling girls, fans that, you know, grew up into it and stuff. This girl seemed like so perfect for this kind of list. But all of a sudden she showed up at the ESPYs. I don't know if fucking James Harden hit that. You know what <clears> I mean? I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Oh, you don't have to be psychic to know who that is. And she is number four on this list and it started at the ESPYs ironically started a long time ago with me yeah, a very long but, time ago yeah but it looks like she may have had a slight breast enhancement and that is all she was lacking if she goes back to her humble beginnings and has that body the husband of hers creates all her ring gear which is creepy. I might have a cuck on my hands, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. I get what you're saying. But the boss, the legit boss, Sasha the Banks, comes in. Bounce. Yeah. I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Bring it home. <laughs> that is a classic soundbite that came out by accident. I love that we collaborated on that one. Um, <laughs> we're in the top three. Um, and I, I think... Let, let me preface this by saying this one's out of this world. Um, and that's oh a little, God. that's a little stupid joke there, but, uh, indeed. Yeah. When you have, uh, somebody that's been on the shelf, so to speak, and we're back in AEW now and You're right. her gimmick was an alien and she just looked kind of like a big, strong, cute chick with a little, Thickness in the thighs and which is always a fucking top ten for me every day. Okay, well, Ray that's, Russell. That's my that's my fucking go to, dude. That's that and and the top or the two things, but that that is a that is a must. You must. All right, we know. <laughs> we we in case which will never happen. Ray has a uh, OK Cupid profile. We know how to write half. <laughs> Does it still exist? <laughs> <laughs> well. We're going out of this world, little punk, an alien, and I'm not trying to talk about those people under the bridge in fucking Texas. Tell him in Mexican just to get out of here. I'm talking about unidentified flying object type alien. We're talking about who currently looks like, in a weird way, not in a bad way, anything good you can take out of this, a young Stephanie McMahon with just a unique look. It's a shame that she's 
kind of, as most people don't watch Impact, she's with this Caleb with a K in real life, or at least she was. But her thick, beautiful thighs and the little gimmick fucking Ultimate Warrior things around the top of the right thigh, and she just wears everything so well, and her hair's dyed, and Chris Statlander. Woo, I'll take it. Yeah. Let's just say that... uh, TR shocks the world from our staff. We would love to get booped by you. <laughs> booped. That's what she says she does when she touches your nose. I don't know what's going on backstage there. As I've With mentioned what? earlier, Joe. I don't know. Um, I just want to get booped. <laughs> I'd boob her with my nose. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so we're up to the top two. Wow. All right. I, I it, This is kind of a chalk number two, but there's a reason why I put this obviously attractive woman way up high. And it is a fitness model turned wrestler. There's There's a lot of things that are speculated, one of which is that her best friend and a co-partner and a business and so forth that she was so tight and never seen with a man when she was traveling with her. So that's hot to me while you're really a hot lady yourself. And that's just, you know, man speculation. That's nothing real. We're just having fun here. Fun. Remember fun people. I'm not talking to everybody. The millennials Uh, will not remember fun, but go ahead. True. Um, she is now the lead heel female in NXT's Toxic Attraction with the aforementioned Gigi Dolan and Jane somebody or other who I don't like as much as these chicks. So work for next list if there ever is one Jane. But it's the chalk because it's a it's kind of a fitness model who should never make this kind of list, but she's looking too damn good to keep her the fuck out. And that is one Mandy Rose. This is such good shit. Please check out her NXT stuff. Her hair is, uh, I would think, natural now. Uh, it's dyed, but it's back to brown. Somehow it's it's enhanced her her attractiveness. So we've come to that time. And oh. this is a very special honor, considering this could be the last edition of this the last three months that we've been off the air somebody has stood up tall that i didn't see coming no pun intended and that would be nia Jax. just kidding holy fucking holy balls call the hotline of course i mean shana basler no i'm just no now i'm getting silly um, I hope this lady has eyebrows. <laughs> nice. Uh, the number one, I'm not going to say the name after the drum roll. I got to do the build up. This female, way back when, a veteran. That's why she was never in the first two, never even thought of. That's why I say almost like the RKO, it came out of nowhere. And I only said that because it relates to wrestling. It's hacky. But. She was not a contender. She was not in the field. She was like a Kentucky Derby winner that ran 
you know, the 17 horse or something that, you know, somebody that wasn't rich didn't own. This whole thing, and there's a history here, uh, Joey Matthews, a.k.a. Joey Mercury, and Christian York, before there was Eminem with Morrison and all right. that other shit. And yeah, York and Matthews. Mercury, and who's that fucking guy, Jamie Noble? They had multiple roles. Joey Matthews and Christian York. Right. Virginia area, Maryland, uh, East Coast. When when I was on the Indies, used to Tag show team. up at all the East Coast. Yeah. And they showed up with a girl one time. I don't know where it was. I think it was West Virginia. And the girl was cute. You know, whatever. And the girl, I don't know if she worked. I don't remember exactly, but it turned out to be. Well, I ain't saying it yet. Because that'll spoil it. So way back when she was in the business. So we're talking long in the tooth a little bit. as more, more than 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, there's a famous video. I don't know if I would think if you're a historian, it, it hasn't slipped you. But maybe, maybe it did. Uh, this person was on the now defunct Jenny Jones talk show. And the premise of the show was look at me now to get your high school bully of the opposite sex to see how good you look now. And the bully looked like shit. He was fat and bald and whatnot. And he still wouldn't put this person over. So then this person goes to, you know, independence and get some high profile booking and developmental WWE has a successful career bounces around has a kid gets married does some country music always thought of as cute but never smoking fucking hot and about a month and a half ago the all woman show that was heavily promoted on impact and that's where you gotta look if you want to verify what I'm talking about and why she was number one, go to those months of Impact Wrestling, and I hate promoting Impact Wrestling. Finally, back in the Trish Stratus, and I'm already giving it away, Trish Stratus feud, and since then, always had some tight gimmick on her titty. Like, like she was afraid she was going to bust them and have the silicone go in her bloodstream or something from a bump. And, you know, just was always cute, but not over the top. As the promoter, the wife and the mother, the wife of the NWA champion at the time, Nick Aldis, she came out and it was like a getup that wasn't a dress for the red carpet, but the famous J-Lo getup in context. It wasn't a dress, but it was the open chest very tan probably some tape or glue going on so it didn't flop out nipple show but this fucking woman for the first time in her long career looked as as Ric Flair used to say looked as only she could look the breasts were flipping and flopping in the wind the hair was perfect. The makeup was perfect. And I know the budget up there isn't what WWE is and anywhere else she had been. So maybe she did her own and she looks better that way. And uh, a couple weeks she was on. One week she had jean shorts and cowboy boots. And another week she had tight, stretchy pants and whatnot. 
everything from the smile to the eyes to the makeup to the hair to the boobs to the abs to the butt to the legs made Mickey James the number one hottest woman in professional wrestling in the last three months. You know, I'm not going to argue that. So I hear to see her in person in, in current times is very uh, good. I'm sure. I am no, absolutely sure. Like I met her like a like when she was probably 16 years old. But I've heard the current in person meeting is even better. I need sex. Yeah. Well, she deservedly wins the number one on what very well may be my phone going on. What very well may be the uh, it originated as a sizzling six when we were uh, once a month. Um, I've caught some real life heat for doing this, but I think it's very important to not stray from the Missy Hyatt's of the world and the uh, Medusas and the Sherry Martells. No, who, when we never. Up, were very uh, a strange distraction from the blood and guts that we loved and were beautiful in in their own ways. And I think that. Everybody wants to s- stress the athleticism and the legitimacy of female and women's wrestling. And I think I did a, a service that is much needed. And Ray allowed me on his network to do the Sizzling Six. And now the Fire 15, the Fantastic 15, the I want to F the 15. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't want to F because if you knew the truth, and this will pop a person that knows me well. Sometimes at my age and my lack of flexibility, the F thing doesn't work quite well sometimes, Uh. if I'm being quite honest. I know that doesn't happen to you, Mr. Peter North out there in fucking Cleveland with your (laughs) 82 kids and God knows what kind of ropes you shoot. I probably got (laughs) We try to do at least five a week. (laughs) At least. Wow. You horny devil. Anyhow, well, I'm glad that we're on the same page then, and our listeners, and I, and I really hope, and you can keep this in, that you clean this up and not the way that people think, like clean, dirty, like offensive. I hope when you listen to this, you can find a perfect little musical background and whatever. Now free for your listening pleasure, the Power Hour podcast is an uncensored and unfiltered discussion that guarantees to deliver. Join me, Ray Russell, and any number of co-hosts, including Stephen Eckstat, the Eye of Gibson from Twitter fame, and yes, even Tom Robinson, as we review the latest pay-per-views, talk the dirt sheets, fantasy book, and share our utmost personal opinions and stories on a variety of topics. Remember, it's uncensored and unfiltered. You've been warned. Nate would laugh at this, but so I'll say it. I, you know, um, you had COVID, you had the fucking shot and all that. Yeah. I am so anti-fucking uh, shot. It's not even funny. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's fucking really? everybody I know that got the shot got COVID and they went, well. I didn't get it from the shot. How do you know? I don't think you I You got did. your first shot and you were in between and then you almost died. Yeah, well, the second and, one did nothing to me and that's the one that's supposed to be loaded with shit. It so. don't matter, man. The natural mm-hmm. immunity, if you get it from the street or wherever the fuck, Fauci funded Wuhan. I'm not, 
I can't go too deep because then you'll think I'm fucking uh, Alex Jones or something. No, but. I had to do it, dude. I go to too many things that require it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll go get my other shot. Like we're going back to, uh, you know, we're going back out there again and, and shit. And I, I want to get out to, to your area. Yeah, yeah, we're going uh, December. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I have this. What doesn't have to be a problem, but it, it is because I I do. I go to, you know, overboard, but the gambling deal. I fucking went to uh, a local casino uh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I noticed a little trick on this machine, lightning machine, that if I switch the, it's one of those machines that's one cent, two cent, five cent, uh, ten cent, one dollar, two dollar. Right. So I noticed that one of those motherfuckers is hot every fucking machine, at least where I go. And it's programmed that way. It, you know, it takes right. money and it gets... Well, I found the, the, the sweet spot. I found the clit, so to speak, that one night. But you need to put, you need to put a fucking big chunk down. I, I was putting in $700 on a penny machine to start because I knew I had to play not scared and, you know, whatever. Fast forward two hours... I'm over there getting paid my fifth jackpot because I had the, they, they, they're so advanced mentally or technologically or what's the word with baseball analytically. Sure. Algorithms, all that right. shit. Right. No tendencies of the people who have cards that they played before there and all that. So I was playing just completely whacked out. Uh, like I had millions of dollars to lose. <laughs> Which I didn't, but my fucking wallet was so filled with hundreds that I, I started having to stuff money in my fucking uh, pocket and this, that, and the other. Uh, of all the jackpots, I went down there, I put 700 in the first machine, and at one point I had on slots, penny slots, $10,200. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, it doesn't get better after that. <sighs> Uh, Gotta know I, when to stop, man. Well, I mean, that could have been said the whole fucking time. Like the first jackpot, I could have said, "Well, I, I should stop," but I felt it was it was hot. Let me try this on the other one. Boom. Let me try this. Come back to the same one. Boom. And it built up, and then it started going down. You're right about the no one to stop, but it was going down because I wasn't doing what I did when I got there. I went to this as a, a personal challenge to a machine that's fucking preconditioned <laughs> not to win. Right, right. I started having a feud with the Wonder Woman machine. The lightning machine <laughs> was paying me. I've never won a dime on the on the other one. So I said, fuck you, Wonder Woman machine. I'm going to go over there and put a thousand in and fucking bet the max the whole fucking time. <laughs> that thousand went down quicker than a toilet fucking flush. Yeah. So I did spend back on dumb shit, but I managed to walk out of there with $5,650. Not as much as I had, but great considering I started Dude, with seven. Yeah, yeah, it's still good. Greatest slot night of my life. Now, I was happy we had a grand in slots in Vegas. I was like, cool, paid for our shit. Yeah, if you're with another person that you love that's responsible and all that shit, if you're in the heat of the moment or you can back her up or she can back you up or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, cause 
when you're winning, it's fun. You want to keep going. It's like a high. Um, but with me in particular, that I went home and I was like, fuck, yeah, I paid. I got this money order because you can only pay cashier check or money order where I live. You can't fucking, I don't know why, but you can't just fucking give them cash or a check or a fucking whatever. It's so fucking frustrating. But, and uh, you know, a few odds and ends, and I paid like $3,000 of shit that I needed to pay. And then there's two grand, just two, 2500 just sitting there. And I had some other shit, like physical people to pay, like that, you know, when I was down and out, gave me 100 bucks, and they said, forget about it, never pay me. I had this whole list, you know? And I can't wait to fucking get back to these guys. Call them, no answer, call them, fucking blah, 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 blah. It sat there for two days, and then I went back. Eh, bad move. <laughs> bad move. I thought I would go back and hit it again and build it back up to 10 grand. You know, it, you know, it was ready for me when I came back. But yeah, I, I'm gonna... stubborn. I still try to make it We work. just kept going to the Willy Wonka machine and hitting. Right on. I know that machine. <laughs> Anyhow. You need to go to Vegas, man. Uh, I got buddies out there, too, that live out there and all that kind of shit. Good shit. My birthday is the 1st of December, so maybe I'll uh, make that my birthday trip. Do it. The friends I have out there are wrestling people, too. So Yeah, yeah. So we could all just fucking hang out and have fun. Yeah. I know a guy out there is a big wrestling dude. I've known him for about 20 years online. I mean, uh, you know, tape trading and stuff like that. But he's been trying to get me to go out there for 20 years. And I, I never went. My wife loved Vegas before I met her. I never went. She went three times before I met her. We've been together 15 years. All I ever hear is about fucking Vegas, right? And we fucking go. And then I'm like, all right, you want to go again, whatever. And my buddy's like, dude, I've been trying to get you to come here for 20 fucking years. And you come out here during COVID. He's, he won't get the shot, but he won't go out either. That's like my sister and my niece and all that. And it's my mom's 85 and my mom, you know, she cares from what she sees on the news. And then I'll put Fox news on and she'll be like, what the fuck? Who's telling the truth? And I'll be like, it's somewhere in between probably. Right. But, but my sister and nieces are like that. Like I haven't physically seen my niece who's like not a niece. She's like, uh, she is a niece literally, but she's 40. You know, she's my sister's oldest. Right. But she is so afraid of covid that she's barely left her house i was like i was kind of bummed because like he was like man if you would come out here any other year i would have been your driver but it took you everyone to go all right so what are we gonna do we're gonna end up devolving into some fucking crazy conversation i'm sure so there are wrestlers that died yeah a couple couple but yeah there's just so many guys that passed away in such a short period of time and some big names in there like uh like paul owner i think he was the beginning of the list what did he say to those people in the gym way back on tnt oh, i don't even remember man something about working out and take you fat something fuck lots of things you can't say anymore and my god what a what a career he had prior to his mr wonderful like in mid-Atlantic and in mid-South as a top heavyweight. He did the tag team shit in mid-Atlantic, but he did the single shit with Ted DiBiase and Bob Roop and stuff. In mid-South, there's a little of his stuff in mid-South from 
the end of 81 and the beginning of 82 that the Watts family released that WWE has on the Peacock now. But his big run in Mid-South was right before the video footage that exists because he kind of ran the company there throughout 1981. That dude was jacked and great talker, great heel, dude. That's one of those guys that were meant to be a heel. I mean, what a freak of nature as far as his looks for his for that era in the late 70s for Crockett. He goes to Mid-South. Watts loves him, obviously, for obvious reasons. Great worker and look great. He did a, an excellent job there as a heel. But eventually, he migrated over to Vince and the, and, and the WWF, and the rest is history. But when you talk about, Paul, um, excellent memory, because uh, you pointed out things that I didn't even remember. Um, and then there was, like, afterward, like, he did the Smokey and UWF and stuff. Right. Uh, but that was the atrophy arm kind of period. But Yeah. Uh, and it sucks because you mentioned his fucking physique. Jesus Christ. Pre-WWF. I mean, yeah. you know, it was the just... Brandon, yeah. Brandon Bull. Um, Brandon Bull, yeah. Austin always talks, that was my hunting buddy and all that, and kicked the shit out of Vader backstage and... <laughs> Like this, this dude is to encapsulate what I'm trying to project about Orndorff was the toughness is what you kind of feel if if you know oh, the sure. business. And when Eddie Graham and Bob Roop and etc. Hiro Matsuda used to you know bring everybody in, they'd weed out the guys that they, you know, shoot on, quite frankly. Right. And, you know, there's a tape of Bob Roop breaking a guy's fucking arm and blood yeah, in his nose and just and all that. Fucking crazy, right, yeah. And, uh, you know, you had Orndorff come through there. And shooters, even when you got a guy that tough, like Orndorff tough, shooters... Could you know nobody can get out of like a I don't know a fucking uh, cross face chicken, chicken wing if they're right. willing. First thing came to my mind, yeah, yeah. If they're if they're willingly laying there and letting you really crank it in before you're allowed to do anything, but I bet that motherfucker was so tight, and I almost got his impression when I said that motherfucker because he always used to kind of stop what he talked. Um. <laughs> That motherfucker Hulk Hogan. Um, sorry for the bad one, but I, I haven't worked on this. Uh, he was so tough that, like, he came out of there with no horror stories, with no broken leg. He he came out of there with fucking five golden stars by the coaches, you know what I mean? And he was just a tough motherfucker. And, you know, I met him and all that, and I, you know... The various encounters with people in this wrestling business, especially in the old days, were brief to one night to every month to whatever. He wasn't in the bars like a lot of the rest of them. You know, every month it was NWA, WWE, and you might catch him for a couple minutes just going in and out and saying hi to people. And I ended up talking to him mostly at the, the promoter Joel Goodhart's uh, 
lunch with Paul Orndorff, and I, it probably had to be between jobs. I don't even remember. But I, I, I talked to him most there, and then I was amazed with uh, – see, here I, I sound like Ric Flair. I'm turning into my story instead of Paul's. But uh, Dennis Carluzzo and I traveled to uh, Volunteer Slam for Smoky Mountain, and Paul was down there. And if you ever see a video circulating around it, it originated from me, from that with videos from backstage interviews with Paul Orndorff and Brian Lee and uh, Heavenly Bodies and whoever the fuck else. But um, back to the real subject, Paul Orndorff. Uh, Dennis uh, had this fucking charisma, the late Dennis Carluzzo, where Paul got done his interview and he was talking to like guys like, I don't know if uh, rock and roll express me. I don't know who the fuck was down there at that time. I don't remember. Right. But it wasn't Orndorff. It was just uh, like three guys. He's like, Hey man, you know the fucking problem with Vince McMahon is man. And he said some <laughs> fucking point that I don't even know if he had the confidence in saying, but he was just Dennis. And when he talked, even if it was fictional, it would sound so legitimate that people would gather around and listen to him. And he was funny. He would make the one-liners and stuff. Cornette loved him like that, you know? And Orndorff came over out of nowhere. Like, he wasn't, like, calling on Paul Orndorff to listen to him. And Orndorff said, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, and sat down, like, made a point to sit down next to him. It was like, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the more Dennis talked, like, I don't think Dennis even knew what the fuck he was talking about, but Orndorff was, <laughs> he was nailing it. Right. And Orndorff ended up, like, shaking his hand and just being, like, so fucking cool and, like, I don't know, man, just, he had that good dude side to him, he had the badass side to him, he had the best body, as we both said, we're both oh, fucking yeah. closet I guess, <laughs> and uh, just a terrible loss, I mean, the... The the greatest thing anybody could say if they're a heel, babyface, whatever, in a major company and they got there, uh, at least in that era, was without the, you know, the pay-per-view hype and the, the, the whatever, that Toronto show was a fucking house show. Right. What did he draw, 60,000 people or some shit? I mean, they sold it out, you know, that's pre-WrestleMania 3. Yeah. I mean, that that can tell you... All you need to know about Mr. Wonderful in the WWE and WWF, whatever. And Paul Orndorff as a as an individual. Um, great football player and all that. And I don't hunt. Do you hunt, Ray? No. Yeah, I'm I'm a pussy. I don't like hurting animals. And I mean Paul was a hunter, avid hunter, and I don't know, it just sucks, you know. No, I mean the and, guy had it from the beginning. I mean he had the look so immediately when a guy looked like you didn't look like that back then, Tom, in the late in the mid sixties, seventies. Speak uh, for yourself. Well, just kidding. Just saying, most people didn't, and he did. And I mean, like, so even though he was green, I think he went straight after training. I think he went straight to Memphis, which is like you know, kind of the bottom of the barrel as far as getting put, you know, making money. That's no knock on, yeah. on Memphis territory. I love Memphis territory. Yeah, if if you were like if you had rich parents and you just wanted to learn about the road and stuff, right. Memphis is fantastic. Right. But if you're like 
that's your career. You said, damn it, I'm going. I want to be on that's TV. That's where I'm going to stay. Yeah, right. That's there's a problem. You're fucked. Right. You are fucked. But I think, I think that's kind of where he broke in. And his very first feud, like real feud, was Jerry Lawler. Just because of the way he looked. So from the mm-hmm. get-go, he was learning. I mean, he was really learning. And then obviously he went to Mid-Atlantic. He teamed with Jimmy Snuka. He feuded with the masked superstar, Bill Eadie. I mean, that was his early years. You know what I mean? Like, holy fuck, yeah. dude. You're, you're getting a, uh, certainly some great learning right out of the gate. And then obviously Mid-South, worked with Ted DiBiase. Worked with Ernie Ladd before DiBiase in, in Mid-South and, and whatnot. And then obviously eventually went to the WWF and did the heel gimmick, became Mr. Wonderful after the Brandon Bull, after the number wonderful in Mid-South and things like that, and the, worked with Hogan, like you just said. The robes. Oh, the like robes that. were great. Oh, he's tremendous. I loved, and I know this wasn't his idea, but coming out to Hogan's theme, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, nobody does that shit. I'm coming out to your theme music. I mean, yeah. has that ever happened again? Not that I know of. No, not that it, I don't think Not so. that it couldn't tomorrow, if somebody booked it that way. But, I mean, for the time, it was just the audacity of this guy to come out to Hulk Hogan's theme music. You know, it was great. And it, I, I have a personal request, if you could. <laughs> okay. Before we, before we move on from yeah. Mr. Wonderful. Sure. If you can find, you know, the, the copy of him at the gym with those people, any little soundbite <laughs> of him being in, incorrect would be fucking wonderful. <laughs> no pun intended, right? Yeah, that's right. Make him work. You know, this woman here is totally, totally so far gone that uh, I don't know if there's anything to be done for her or not, if you want to know the truth. She's so far overweight. But as I can see, she's got all her teeth. You know, most fat women that I know don't have teeth. She does have all her teeth, I will say that. Keep going, keep going. A few extra reps ain't going to hurt you. But you know, it's one thing that a person right there is a perfect example of a person that has no pride in their self. No pride in their self, no pride in their body. It's disgusting. I don't like it. I don't even like to be around people like this here. Keep going. It ain't going to hurt you. Just keep going. Keep grunting them out. You need a lot of work. And you need to stay away from that table. You stay at the table. I'm sure the whole family's probably gone off and in bed or asleep, and you're still sitting at the table eating. Am I right or wrong? I bet you go up and down them steps every night long getting in that refrigerator eating something, aren't you? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, this has got to stop. This has got to stop because there's no need in that. Never. Whatever I say, that's right. Lousy job. Almost as lousy as we do. Got to touch all that guck and grime and slime, man. It's not one thing to get in the ring with Hogan and Mr. T. The black scummy. Oh, please. What kind of talk is that? It's street talk. That's what it is. Street talk. It's trash talk. This is and that's exactly what we're getting in the ring with. Trash. I don't know what we've yeah. been able to accomplish here. But you know something, Ivan Putsky? Turtle head. You know what a turtle does? You know when you see a turtle with that big old long head and, and then he does something and it goes in? Well, that's exactly what Putsky's going to do. Exactly. It's going to go inside that shell. And you'll disappear. You'll never see it again. I'll eat from tonight. Pesky. We'll see you there. I thought you were going to ask me to find his Mr. Wonderful theme from WCW when Gary Spivey made him wonderful again. But Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> was, Mr. Wonderful. 
But uh, you know, yeah, he wasn't the only that's one that's fierce. that uh, passed away over the last few months. I mean, there's been uh, you know quite a few other. Obviously, I'll just gla- I hate to glance over people, but guys like the assassin Jody Hamilton, who was a major, major, major heel, like one of the baddest ass heels of all time, as far as drawing money as a bad guy asshole. He was like an Ole Anderson heel, right? Like he was an asshole, right? There were the Bolos, there were the Assassins with, with Tom Ernesto. Before my time, Jim Ross and so many others, and, and I even have the Assassin's book. Uh, I love his book, by the way, that just document his history in the business. I just knew the Assassin from the little bit I saw from the 80s and then his little shitty manager run with WCW when he was already working for the company anyway. In the 90s, he, he just happened to manage Paul Order during that little period of time, too. Yeah, ironically, and they died, like, that close together. Yeah, yeah it's crazy, but um, what a heel. I mean, like, what a great what a great fucking heel. What a, you know, like, piece of the business was the assassin. When I, when I was real young, um, I was fascinated with Mil Mascaras. Um, ah. Like, well, you got to bear with me. I was about six, seven years old. No, no, I'm, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. And uh, then when Georgia came on, uh, well, when we had access to it in Philly, mm-hmm. uh, the mass superstar, and and then the assassins, and like the only like they're the only three off the top of my head that wore hoods. That's the old school uh, saying for masks. Right. Um, that appealed to me the other ones were just like yeah they're jabron but these guys were just different and the assassin arguably no nah, it's not even arguable ed did a great promo but assassin was like top uh at that time jody and he was like the second banana at some point with tom Ernesto, i guess and then they they went to another who's the other assassin Oh, Hercules uh, replaced them in the, in yes, the mid-80s. For sake, yeah. But, you know, Jody Hamilton, you know, I'm pulling the curtain back. Much like I have this renewed freaky interest in maybe showing up at an independent and seeing what I can do. And it has nothing to do with pro wrestling, like wrestling wrestling, but just be a part of it again. Um, you know, and I, I, I have this renewed, like, you know, uh, inner self saying AEW because it's run by a fan, blah, 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 blah. I had this desire to be in WCW because they were hiring everybody. Right. And my buddy Scott Dickinson, who refed a million right, matches, right. In, got hired and fucking just a lot of people got hired there. And I had so many quote unquote friends at that time that were still alive and I would, uh, I probably said this before he, he died, but, uh, if I'm repeating, I apologize for wasting your time peeps, but I called uh, a number I got from who the fuck did I get it from? Um, I don't know. Maybe Scott, maybe somebody else, uh, to Atlanta and Jody Hamilton answered and I explained my disposition and my interest to be there. And I had called other people before and, you know, tried to use my own connections that I knew personally. And it was just like, you know, there's nothing happening here. I better just accept. I act, here's here's a story that I don't think I touched on. Um, Mark Madden was a friend for a Your while. Your friend? Okay. Yes. Um, 
at least I thought he was. Um, he's still cool, as far as I know. Um, he's a unique guy. He he does a gimmick. He's number one in Pittsburgh still mm-hmm. from doing a heel gimmick, and they still haven't caught up to the fact that he's working them. But he got on to uh, WCW, the internet shit, with Jerry, Jeremy Borash. Right. Bobby Heenan was the guy with Shivani and them and Mike Tanay and whatever. Mm-hmm. And... I wrote for markmadden.com, one, because I wanted to be relevant, but two, because I had that fucking dream, uh, career route, whatever, in mind that Madden got called up because Heenan drank a lot, which Heenan's a legend. You don't want to say nothing bad about him, and I won't. But it was a shoot. He did drink a lot on WCW. But my my contention, even though my friend Mark Madden got his seat, was who didn't drink a lot in WCW. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. The, the Hogan would bring in a case, and the Outsiders would be out there fucking tanked. And if you saw Dark Side of the Ring, Macho Man Savage, Gorgeous George recounted that we were so fucked up on a live interview, blah, 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 blah. So there was a lot of chicanery and unprofessionalism back then. So for Madden to take Heenan's deal because he drank, I mean, whatever. But I'm a fan of Heenan's and a pseudo buddy of Madden's. We're in different cities, so I hate saying we're friends. You know what I mean? But he let me write for his website. It was independent of WCW. But I'll tell you the truth. My intention was if Madden never got called up to the roster, that maybe my association and my writing would elevate me to the internet show, which would be a foot in the door. And Jeremy Borash, which I might have mentioned this before too, trivia note was my friends in the record industry, country music, the Warren brothers, who toured with Tim McGraw, wrote a lot of his number ones, wrote Red Solo Cup for Toby Keith, etc. Good buddies of mine. Their uh, traveling band, uh, tour band, Jeremy Borash's brother played with them. So I had this weird connection to him too and mm-hmm. whatever. But it didn't happen on that route. So that's just one example of many of pseudo connections to WCW I had at that time. And Jody Hamilton, who was a complete stranger, stayed on the phone with me for an hour on a cold call and fucking made me feel like even if I didn't, get in or do it like I shouldn't forget about it and I should keep grinding just a wonderful fucking person that you know that's my only like Jody Hamilton story as a personal deal but as a talent unbelievable his promos were incredible um you just kind of believed even like when I got older with Orndorff I kind of believed he he was going to kick somebody's ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and the not shit where he would or... call Dusty out, even though they never even pulled the trigger on it at that era in the 90s. But he would just call Dusty out randomly for no fucking reason from here and there. And it was like, this dude has a serious issue with Dusty. Going back clearly in an era and in a territory, which it's on video now, but I didn't see it as a kid because I didn't grow up in Florida. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And his delivery was never yelling. You know, it's like my my grandfather grew up in the 
Bobo Brazil, Dick the Bruiser, Gorgeous George, 1950s era. He would, um, and he would tell, oh, yeah, they're going to come out here and say, I'm going to kick your ass. But that's how he perceived wrestling from his, when he watched it in the 50s, was, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going to kick your butt, and kind of thing. And the assassin talked matter-of-factly, very intelligently. Articulate. Yes. Very, he was heel. No, there's no doubt about that. But it was he was very intelligent. Yeah, articulate. It's a great way to explain it. Yeah, articulate, awesome, all that stuff. Yeah. A great loss and a good man. I obviously didn't have an hour-long conversation with him, which I had. But uh, I love his book. I can't tell anybody enough to go out there and purchase the Assassin's book. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but... Uh, Jody Hamilton wrote a wrestling book or co-wrote it or whatever he did with it, but it's a great book. And I mean, if you're into the beginnings of professional, the fifties and the sixties and the seventies before the video footage really exists, this is where you learn shit. And uh, his book is tremendous. I definitely can't uh, recommend it enough. You see this, this mannequin right here represents the humiliation that I suffered. You know, this mask is not just a piece of cloth to cover my face and to protect my identity. This mask is a trademark of the assassin, the trademark that means par excellence in professional wrestling. There's never been another human being that's ever wrestled in the profession that's wore a mask as long as I have and as successfully as I have and amassed the reputation that I have. Yet I'm constantly plagued everywhere I go with the name Dusty Rhodes this, Dusty Rhodes that, and so on. And then every time I turn around, I am again aggravated. Again, I'm faced with this tremendous arrogance on the part of one Dusty Rhodes. I want you to know that for two and a half years, it ate away at my insides. The thing that kept me going for two and a half years was guts. That's right, guts. Because you have to have guts to hate somebody as much as I hate you, Rhodes. The final chapter is going to be written, and it's going to be written soon. However, I reserve the right and the privilege to prolong your agony and your demise as long as I choose to. The master of deception is here. The master of evil is here if you want to express it in that manner. And I know that you have, and I know that you thought about how much evil is in my system. It all started, it all started with this, the mask of El Santo. Yes, that's right, the mask of El Santo. But Rhodes, it's gonna end with the mask of the assassin. And you can bet on one thing. Take it to the bank. This mask and this man right here, somehow, some way, sometime, I want to take you out all the way. Well, the deception that he was talking about, uh, he says he's a master of deception. He is indeed a master of deception. I got to wrap myself out about that MarkMadden.com thing. Uh-huh. Um, I purposely, because he was the heel on the internet deal, and he was a heel commentator too when he got called up, but he ended up working seven years there. Um, I tried to write the way that Mark 
would approach just being a jerk off. And, you know, that he had a following to his thing, to his website. But I don't think it was known, and I, I, I don't have a reason to bring it up other than guilt. Um, one of the best people, if you've met him, if you haven't, I don't know, in the whole business ever was a fan from Philly, a couple years younger than me, but a good dude, the Blue Meanie. You with him? Yeah. I've you met, met him? him? Yeah, I've met him. Him, uh, Tommy Dreamer, I never hung out with, but you know, I didn't ever hear that much bad about him in my time, etc. Good people I wrote bad shit about. So I feel bad about it now that you're bringing Now that I'm bringing it up about the Martin, you had no idea about the column. Right. But I'm kind of, when you bring up the death of the assassin, it kind of segues me in other directions that, I might not ever remember before, but if they end up listening and they didn't read it at the time, I did call Blue Meanie, Blue Meaningless. Uh, <laughs> I like I was trying to be funny and heelish. Of course, he's meaningful. His wife Tracy is fucking wonderful. They're good people. I called Tommy Dreamer the innovator of incompetence. I called like Conan and fucking Eddie Guerrero and them, the filthy mid Carters. <laughs> I just, it was a total, let me bury, let oh. me look at this. I'm going to put her on speaker. Yeah. You're on speaker on air. Hello. Hi, is this hot tits from Philly? I'm not from Philly. I'm from Jersey. Is this hot tits from Jersey? Excellent, excellent. Anyway. I love it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What can we do you for? What's that? How's your... Wait, I, he said, what can we do you for? How much money? But um, <laughs> your, how is your audio quality on my shitty phone better than me sitting right in front of the microphone? I don't know what you mean. I know. But anyway, go ahead, Ray. What's, go what's going on? Uh, we're taping a, a show. What's shaking? <laughs> what's, what? Oh, no. What's shaking besides those massive jugs? I don't have massive jugs. No, uh, I, Ray, I said she has a mass in her jugs, and we need oh, to pray. My, my apologies. My apologies. The fuck is wrong with you? Very sorry to hear. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we need to uh, finish up here. Um, I put you on speaker live and all that. The, the, is there anything? Oh, I was just calling to see what time you'd be done because you told me to come over like 10 30 or 11. So I figured you'd be done by now. I was just calling to see what time you were coming to my house. That's my uh, fault. I kept him too long. I apologize. This is time for background music when you edit. <laughs> I thought you'd be done by now. Just enjoying one of my passions. That's wonderful. Thank you. I was just calling to see what time you were going to be over. I don't know. I'm over already, but. No response. I just said I don't know. Just trying to wrap this up. You told me that an hour ago. That's all. Just, Do you get it, I Ray? just want an idea. Well, to be, fair, to be fair, I told my wife that we were going to be an hour, and it's uh, 
been about five, so I do apologize. Yeah, his wife's in bed, and I know you're going to say, well, they're married and all that, but... So can you give me an idea? Yeah, I'll give you an idea, an hour. All right. Okay. Thanks. All right. Nice talking to you, Ray. Sorry again. Have a good night. You don't have to be sorry. It's not your fault at all. I'm glad he's having fun. I apologize still. I feel bad. It's not. You don't have to feel bad. It's not you. He's a big boy. He makes his own decisions. You should not be so selfish with your white privilege. Black lives matter. Uh Uh-huh. As long as we're, you know, on the same page. I got to go. Back to the air. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Yeah. That, ladies and gentlemen, and Ray, if this ends up on the air. For the record, I'm not driving over the bridge after... Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> so, who else is dead? <laughs> who else is dead? Well, uh, Burt Prentice, I had a story, but I don't okay. remember. Okay, well, I'll do Burt Prentice first, then. That's fine. Right. So, who we got? Uh, Burt, Bobby, yeah. and... Daphne. Yeah, talk about that, because uh, I'll. Uh, that definitely affected me. Um, and I'm not even being facetious or whatever. All fun things considered, everything everything else aside, uh, we look at some of the more recent uh, deaths, like um, Daphne, who worked for WCW and later on um, TNA and things like that. And uh, that was that was not just a shocker; it was not a good way to go out. Yeah, that was uh, uh, fuck like a movie. It was like creepy suspense um like i was at work when the video on instagram came out i don't know if you were aware of it in real time were you following along or anything no not until the story came out the next day with with all with everything uh, attached see i always uh if i if i'm at work till seven eight nine whatever i'll always check the uh that search bar uh, on Twitter to see what's trending. And I see Daphne and I'm like, mm, I would assume this is Daphne Unger uh, from pro wrestling. Right. Let me click on that. But you know, I, I go drive and stuff for a living and couldn't really see what was going on, but she had definitely struck a chord with a lot of people. Then uh, I got done and I immediately went back and the video was done, and it, they were deleting it everywhere. But I got YouTube. I got like a one-minute version of it. Her saying, showing the gun when she pulled up the covers, telling the cat to get out of there. It's a little minor uh, note that I don't think she should have had her cat in, in the room. Maybe put him in the bathroom with some food or something. But you know, whatever. When people are in that situation, I guess I shouldn't. Uh, judge their mental uh, cap- capabilities, but uh, somebody got through like a friend. I don't want to make this a quote. This is a guess. Somebody personal that meant something to her got through. I was thinking Francine, but I don't know that to be the case. Somebody 
And she's like, but I love you too, but I'm all alone. And I was like, wow, this is fucking heavy, man. And I know Foley was putting feelers out there to anybody because he had her cell phone number and obviously it didn't pick up like where she live and please, you know, contact me on anything, any information, blah, 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 blah. And it was kind of like, okay, this girl hasn't been on the scene in a while. She's in her forties. I've been in a, a different place mentally. Um, you know, I'm not going to say uh, I was suicidal because that would be exaggerating. I actually feared death, but I felt the way that people, I, I kind of, for the first time uh, recently, not, not like today or yesterday or anything, but in recent years, felt the way people could feel if they felt there was nothing left. So I was like, kind of relating especially because she came out of nowhere as an actress inspiring actress and was on wcw tv and non-trained and just smashed her head multiple times in both places tna and wcw yeah and those concussions with the cte and everything and it's kind of like wow she i'm hoping that she's all fucked up like not not from substances just from her mental illness, chemical imbalances, whatever the fucking case may be. And somebody got through to her and she put the gun down for a minute and then got a good night's sleep. Maybe somebody fucking, or she had it herself like Xanax or something that would knock her the fuck out. And then the next day she would get back up, go to a doctor, put a post like update. I, uh, I'm sorry about, you know, the scare last night. I I wasn't myself, blah, 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 blah. But the next day, I read R.I.P. Daphne, which I'm sure is the same thing you read. And yeah. it was like, even though I saw it with my own eyes, that's kind of the first time I saw somebody that put it out there and actually did it. And... You know, I guess, you know, that's not uncommon because we're in an age of video now and we weren't before but disturbing would be an understatement and I, that's not a person in the business i knew but when it's female it seems uh, maybe it's because i have a daughter i don't know but i feel more sympathetic towards and just like man this 2020 2021 is just all fucking weird man right no yeah i mean um i didn't follow it from the beginning but the uh i would imagine very shortly after it actually happened it was boom everywhere and not just what happened but the entire story that you know led up to like you were just you were just talking about her posting things online prior to um the event for best word i can use um happening and i was just like wow like that came out of nowhere for me but obviously i'm not like following her i don't know her like you said um i know of her like i watched her when she was on you know television but um, it's crazy that this shit goes on, you know, not just with her, with anybody. It's really unfortunate, you know, especially when there's people, you know, I hate to get into all this cause I'm not, you know, I'm not a therapist, but yeah. you see so many of these people that feel like they're alone and they're really not like you said, Mick Foley from just one random person 
trying to to reach you. And I'm sure there was more than Mick Foley. I'm sure there were people even closer than that. Not Family, yeah. friends, you know, whatever. But I guess when you get to that mental, you know, situation, that's just, I don't know. You, I don't know. But I get also what you're saying, too. There's a lot of outcry, and then it doesn't happen. And it's not really a, I'm not saying like they're bullshitting. No, they're not but, bluffing. Right. But there are, let, let, let's clarify, there are some people that do uh, amplify their. For attention. For attention, for sympathy, whatever. But, uh, you know, I felt that she was really in a bad right. place. Right. And there are people that are, and luckily they get, you know, uh, a friend or someone that can, you know, physically step in because sometimes just making a phone call is not going to. You have to actually have to physically now, get a hold of the person. And I can tell you, uh, Ray, from experience, I was kind of like uh, holding back a little, and I'm still going to hold back a little. But when you say, like, uh, you know, you reach out or whatever, and right. people love you and stuff, when you're, like, I take medication. Uh, you know, it's perfect time if I haven't said it before. Um, it's tag me in United hashtag on Twitter. It's, it's about mental illness. I take medication for depression, anxiety, et cetera. And, you know, uh, sometimes being off your medication makes you different than being on in a bad way. And, you know, I, I, I was like, what the fuck? You know, like I alluded to earlier, I was like, what the fuck am I here for? Um, and you get really fucked up, and sometimes your physical symptoms from withdrawal or with the wrong medicine or whatever. Right. You could have five wonderful people around you fucking telling you how great you are, but you can't even focus on hearing them or seeing them or anything. You're just so fucked up. And I kind of sensed that with her, but I was hoping there would be somebody since she gave some time on the video to break in the apartment and stop what happened or whatever. Right. And because there's always a good night's sleep and then the symptoms go away or they at least get smaller. And if you can make it to the next day when you're at that level, more so than people see people that don't have the issue confused being bummed out or being outwardly depressed, like losing a family member, uh, to you know, give an example. Right. That's legitimate fucking grief, and I mean, if you want to call it depression, you can call it depression. But hers, and the one that I experienced, but you know, and there's a million of us out there, comes from inside that you know didn't you didn't fucking cultivate or nothing spurred it. I mean, I went five days without shaving or walking from one room to the other. This is complete, you know, full transparency without a shower. And, uh, you know, there was no specific reason why, but my friends calling me would not have helped that. My friends coming over and saying, let's go out to a baseball game wouldn't have helped that. It's, you know, once you're in that fucking, once you have a problem and you don't get diagnosed or treated properly it's 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 like it's impossible and uh you know so i sympathize that she wanted out and she wanted her brain to be shipped to boston to chris Nowinski. 
Um, and I do believe that the CTE probably attributed, contributed to her ultimate demise. Um, but it was creepy and it was scary and it was, uh, it, it stuck with me for till now, really, but really heavily for a couple of days because, like I said, there was a part of me that thought it was going to be a happy ending to where somebody was really over that edge which is the first time I saw it, quite frankly. Right. And it, but like she fucking, uh, with no non-sensitivity speaking, finished the fucking job. She was literally getting on there to say goodbye to people. And it was not a cry for help. And it was not, you know, it was right. <clears throat> yeah, fucked up. So... You know, I hope she's in some, you know, nobody knows. People have beliefs of every kind of ideology and spirituality or lack thereof. I hope she's not just fucking, I hope she's at peace, whatever the fuck is a after this, you know, and, you know, mental health. Yeah, it's a very important thing. I mean, it, re it really, really is. It's way more uh, prevalent now. This will sound, I got one more thing to say about this, and it's really, uh, it's really related to Daphne, even though it sounds like I'm doing the, make it about Tom again, but there's people in her life, and I know the, the, the famous one was Francine, but she did a podcast with like, uh, Victoria, Lisa Marie, Tara, whatever her, her gimmick is now, right? and Mickey James, I think, and you know, she had a lot of friends, and you know, everybody that you can't really understand it till you have it kind of deal. Like they say, Oh, you should have reached out or something. And most people do reach out. Uh, I can say from personal experience and I've called childhood friends that I grew up with and was best man in their wedding or was whatever. And once you reach a certain age of, of adulthood and people move on and have grandkids and wives and, yeah that and the other when you're calling you know you're usually calling to watch an eagles game or a browns game respectively and when you're reaching out uh, you're not saying hey man i'm gonna kill myself if i don't talk to you right you're just trying to fucking be to have some other familiar voice on the other end of the line and quite honestly they don't want nothing to do with you no, you're right. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly a thing. They really, you're right, Tom. That's that's. True. They think you're weird, and all that shit. I mean, it takes a very special individual to piece through that call and say it's not Daphne or not this person or not this guy. Just trying to fuck around when he knows better that I got a family now, or she knows better that I whatever, and. It, it gets lost in translation. So some of those people unknowingly are saying, if I just would have talked to her, no, nah, dude, but you had chances to talk to her. I'm sure when she was fucked up, I'm sure she talked to you then, but you couldn't tell how fucked up she was. And she was trying to tell you without coming out and ruining your life by saying, Hey, I got this going on or I got that going on. That's just right. my two cents on you know, no, I, I truly, I truly believe that, bro. I mean, you—I don't know that I've ever heard it uh, spoken better. To be honest with you, yeah, just sucks, man. Um, 
you know, she was a uh, just everybody said that she was always smiling, always nice. So sorry that she's gone. Yeah. And unfortunately, I can't really make anything upbeat from there because we're talking about people who passed away. Obviously, uh, the bird Prentice has passed away. Uh, the old Christopher Love, honey, if you will. Yeah, Mr. Burt. Prentice. I mean, do you have any comments before I tell my little Burt Prentice story? You know, I, the first time I ever saw Burt Prentice was in Global. He was there for a few weeks. He did the Christopher Love gay gimmick. I don't know, sort of gimmick, but did the Christopher Love gimmick. I remember Craig Johnson on commentary going, Christopher Love, honey. And he managed to. <laughs> uh, Craig Johnson. <laughs> I love Craig Johnson. And, Him and uh, Scott Hudson are smart Oh, fans. my God. God, man, if I could have had those guys in my wrestling company, like, you know, back then, like, they would have been my announcers. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just that those few weeks I saw him as Christopher Love and Global before, you know, before the money went away, the mysterious, you know, backer from wherever that was, uh, never, yeah. never came to fruition. Um, other than that, I didn't know him too well until freaking, you know, Wild Side or Music City Wrestling or whatever it was. We got that. On like uh, like a fucking channel with snow antenna reception, we would get it here locally in the in the nineties or whatever and stuff like that. It's Burt Prentice, the promoter. Other than that, I don't know a whole lot about him other than what you read. You know, beyond that time period, whatever I've read about him and stuff. But I mean, I, I am familiar with you know his career. Yeah, my I, I don't have that much experience by any means with him, but. Um, like you said, he had Ozark Mountain Wrestling for a while. Oh yeah, that was on a signal that you had to not take unplug your cable and get it somehow or whatever. And uh, that was a an after mag darling right there, Ozark. Yeah, um, Glenn Ruth, the one of the head Thrasher, bangers. Thrasher. Yeah, trained at the Monster Factory. I didn't know uh, uh, the other one, Mosh Chaz, other than to say hi to, but I knew Glenn Ruth forever. Still do. I mean, I ran into him in a Wawa convenience store the last time I saw him, but um, which was odd because it was in Pennsylvania, and I believe he lives in Florida. I think he was up here visiting somebody. Uh, but <clears throat> anyway, uh, I tuned in to see them down there, and I was happy that they were doing something because they were great as the Spiders at the time, and they did some really cool shit back then. But um, I have these, uh, as I mentioned, my mental illness, I had these mood swings where I don't want to be a real person and I want to be a star. So I just up and went to Nashville because I was singing for a while and I was doing all kinds of shit. Let's, let's just be transparent. Um, anything to not have a real job. And I was with my first, well, the mother of my daughter. And I think my daughter was just born or something. I said, I won't be a good father if I'm just driving a bus. That's what I did at the time. And uh, went to Nashville because I had some connections there and whatnot. Stopped at Brian Hildebrand's house in Knoxville on the way. Him and his wife were like, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I don't know. My hair was bleach blonde. And (laughs) I said, I'm just in a rut and I don't want to be a bus driver the rest of my life. So I'm trying to do whatever. And Brian gave me some names to drop because I said, I'm heading to Nashville. So I showed up at the fairgrounds in the early afternoon, bleach blonde hair, gold gym shirt. I was on steroids. I was tan. And uh, I could wrestle, but I sucked at wrestling from day one. 
I was a good talker from day one. Um, Colorado kid Mike Rapata was yeah. uh, mopping the ring with the, one of those electric gimmicks that spins around. I don't know what it's called. It's like a, a vacuum cleaner, but it has spinners that clean. <laughs> right. Probably a common name. But he <laughs> I don't know. The off the canvas. And Burt Prentice, it was just those two. And I walk in and I said, So I've Mr. heard. Prentice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Prentice, blah, 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 blah. You know. And he, he looks at me and says, You came from Philadelphia and you make like 70 grand a year to work in Indy? And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily want to work in Indy, but I want to get something going again. He goes, all right, come back tonight, and I'll try to fill you in, put you in somewhere. Yeah, so Bert, uh, Mike was still cleaning up and being friendly, waving or whatever. Bert says, come back tonight. So I came back. For some <laughs> here's the freaking Mark and weirdo in me. I was staying at some, I was actually, uh That'll lead to another story that has nothing to do with wrestling. But <laughs> I was staying at the La Quinta Inn uh, across from Opryland. Don't even know if it's still a La Quinta or still there or anything. Um, so go back to the room, and people are just – I passed the airport test. People were looking at me because I was wearing shades. I was all tan and whatever. And I was saying to myself, for whatever reason, because I had blonde hair, there was nothing else in common. I'm the nature boy, Buddy Landell. It was just, <laughs> my head was saying that to myself while these people were looking. And I was no sell in their looks, but I was like loving it, you know. I'm a mark, what am I going to say? Nobody's ever said that I've never claimed to be a mark and whatever. So you can't insult me by saying that. You're a mark uh, when your go-to is Buddy Landell. Oh, it's awesome. And that's um, and that, that was a that's a good thing. Like I'm not I'm not shitting on Buddy Landell at all. He's one of my my, my favorites growing up. My uh, underdog favorites. Yeah. So I, I go to the room and get, go back or whatever. And what happened? Oh, excuse me. After the event was kind of cool too on a different level. But we'll save that for another edition. Go back and I was welcomed. And they had the typical fucking handwritten deal on the wall my name wasn't there and he was just like thanks for coming back uh we got this that bart sawyer was there i remember that roddy's funky yeah he had life is good uh where and he 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 uh permeated that shirt like he looked like he was happy with life bart sawyer i remember him as being one of the positives down there Brickhouse Brown was down there, the late Brickhouse Brown. Right. It was a New Year's Eve show, I believe. I'm almost certain. I don't know the year. So, Bert says, uh, we got this, that, and the other. I'm talking to a lot of the boys. Flash Flanagan, maybe. Because uh, I met these people at different times, and my mind sucks. But definitely Brickhouse Brown, definitely Bart Sawyer. Maybe Flash Flanagan. I told them. I'm here, I got some money, I got a job up there that I'm kind of on hiatus from. I got a family up there, but I want to be in the business, whatever. So, uh, some match comes on and they need to pull apart. So they let me go out and run out and do a pull apart on New Year's Eve in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh-huh. 
Bert did. Um, that was all. That was the whole thing that I got to do. Um, somebody gave me a number that said Wolfie D's. This is Wolfie D's mom or something. Some crazy fucking thing. Uh, and she will give you uh, boots and gear or whatever, whatever you need for cheap. It was some kind of rib, like a, it was like a sex weirdo or something, because it wasn't Wolfie D's mom. The person had no idea who the fuck, I, well, who I was or what, what I was talking about. But right, um, <laughs> I ended up getting back, and there was still a Colorado kid, the micropoda dude, and somebody as the main event. And I was like, it's New Year's Eve. Prentice said, if you come to Logan, Georgia tomorrow, we'll try to work in. That was their next show, or it might have been two days from then or something. And I just said to myself, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I've, I got a baby up there, and I got a decent job. What Trying the fuck? to work you into a Logan, Georgia show, I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, and you, you, I didn't get paid for the pull apart, not that I expected to. But, you know, I didn't have what it took, I guess, to sleep in a car and follow my dream or whatever. I just just like weighed my options. And uh, I remember sitting in a bar and I loved country music at that time, that that era of it. And David Lee Murphy's. I look like remember the old commercial with the Indian looked at the pollution of the Americans that took over. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I sat there. It was the song David Lee Murphy's "Tonight." I'm looking for a party crowd, and I just a tear went down my cheek. <laughs> like, and I left before the show got over. And then I get home and reading the Observer the results, and Burt Prentice actually, unless it was a work, had a heart attack, like right before the main event. Oh wow! And got taken out of the building the night that I was there, like on the show, sort of. Um, it was just a, a weird, weird deal. Like I, like Karen from Philly says, I'm the Grim Reaper. Everybody I come in contact with has some kind of fucking problem. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know that that was a glowing tribute to Bart Prentice, but I made it all about me again. And uh, woo, that was my Nashville story. But, uh, you know, the La Quinta Inn ended up with a, strange encounter with tanya tucker of uh country music fame which we will go into some other time wow all right sounds good (laughs) we'll say that for another day i guess the only thing we can really wrap that up with is uh just a quick uh convo about um beautiful bobby oh you have any before i go um, you know, I grew up on Bobby, watched Bobby forever, loved Bobby. When it wasn't cool to love heels, I wasn't a smart mark at the time. I was just a kid um, and just lo- loved the Midnight Express. I, you know, I wasn't like, I didn't like every heel, but I wasn't like a baby face lover either. I just liked who I liked. And in the NWA, WCW, I loved the Midnight Express. I loved them. Don't know that I cared for Jim Cornette as much as them, but I loved the Midnight Express. Love Bobby Eaton. Stan and Cornette take off in the middle of what they're beginning to feud with the wild-eyed Southern boys, Tracy and Steve Arm. What matches those would have been, by the way, Tom? My God. yeah. They had the one match, I think it was on the Bash or something, just a throwaway match, and it was like fucking four stars at least. That was their first time in the ring together. And um, 
man, they started the feud. They just started the storyline at Halloween Havoc and the very next fucking taping, Corny and Lane quit. And I don't get that because those were my favorite two teams. The Steiners were awesome, but I loved the Southern Boys because I was a kid and they were young. So I resonated with them as like my age, even though they were much older than me. But you know what I mean? And then I just, I had already loved them in that express. So I was like pumped for this feud. And then next thing you know, Bobby's by himself. He's a heel, but he's getting over with the fans as a heel and a singles heel yeah. at that. Cause he wasn't even a fucking tag team. He had been a tag team wrestler forever, but they were starting to cheer for him just because of his wrestling ability. And it, and me too. Like, I'm like, dude, he's just awesome. Eventually they have to turn him baby face. Which they do, and he works Flair in that Clash of the Champions, and what a nice little match that was for TV. And match, yeah. Yeah, and they even give him the TV title for a little bit, which is the lower-end title. Not not the heel run he had with it, but the babyface one, very, very short. But it was like, oh, it's awesome. They're pushing him. It's great, think, you know. I think that title belt was a token of respect just because everybody. Arn, Bobby, Wyndham, Austin. I mean, you're right. Yeah. You know, and it goes back before that to Tully and, and everybody like that. Right. But, uh, man, I mean, my God, I, I just always loved, there was never a time where I didn't like Bobby Eaton. You know, I, there was never a time he joined the, uh, uh, dangerous Alliance. And then of course, later on, you know, that you could tell it was going downhill. Uh, they didn't know what to do with him. 93. They stuck him in with Benoit. This is before Benoit's real when he came back in 95, it was a short-term thing in 93. Then Juan Eaton were a tag team. They even did a tag match on a pay-per-view uh, early in 93, maybe Super Brawl or something like that. But, I mean, Eaton was awesome, you know, and eventually they stuck with Regal, which I love Regal for completely different reasons. But together, that was nonsense, the stupid Earl, Earl of Eaton or whatever thing. But uh, at least they were still giving him a, a go. But Bobby had pretty much been done by them. But, man, just going back and looking at his body of work and, and whatever. And I finally, finally, finally got to meet him in, like, 2004. And I got to do a spot on the show. And I had to go tell him the spot we were. I got to go tell Bobby Eaton the spot we're doing, okay? And it's that very, <laughs> yeah, well, it was very awkward. I mean, I got to go walk into a room with Bobby Eaton, uh, Harley Race, and I don't remember who else was in there. Okay. And I got to go in there and tell Bobby, hey, Bobby, is uh, we're going to do this. Is this okay? Because I'm totally respectful. I know how the business works. I'm not walking into a dressing room and telling somebody how shit's going. Because I saw somebody walk into a dressing room and tell New Jack what they were doing. And well, that's a, that's another story for another fucking show, too. And, yeah, that uh, guy. But, but um, I went in there, Bobby, this is what I, this is my goofy shit that, that we do on the shows. And. I'm going to put a claw on you. And, and you know, Joey Styles exposed the claw back in 96 when Stevie Richards was doing Barry, Baron Von Stevie. And he put the claw mm -hmm. on Joey. And Joey looks at him and swats it away, which is like, why didn't people do that for decades, right? You know, and Joey swats it away like, what a, what a, what a douchebag. So I go to Bobby and I go, Bobby, I'm going to put the claw on you and you're going to stare at me like I'm an asshole. You're going to swat it away and then give me your jab. And that's all I wanted, Tom. I just wanted to take that fucking Bob Eaton jab, you know, like a mark. You know what I mean? And I and he just looked at me and goes, okay. <laughs> like, he, so there's no bullshit, no fighting, yeah. you, know, you know. He's like, okay. And so we go out there and I do it. And I can still picture to this day, 
putting the claw on him and him he wasn't rolling his eyes but his eyes were you know like rolling upwards like he was staring at me like what the fuck so he was playing yeah. the gimmick and i i just like and i took the jab and uh so i'm just so happy that i took a bob eaton jab one time in my life yeah that's awesome man and that's that kind of really explains the guy he was he, he wouldn't you could tell him you know as long as something wasn't going to kill him, he would go, yeah, sure. sure. Right, right. This, you this know, and it'd be a great guy. On to the next thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I had the good fortune of, I, I've i said this in other places, but it's kind of a couple, a two- or three-way credit for me to get into that circle, but it was Dennis Carluzzo at first saying, oh, don't worry, he's cool. Uh, to Cornette, and then right. Cornette learning that little did he know it probably ain't wasn't cool and probably still are, are not, but he told Bobby and Stan I was cool. And, uh, like, I had met Dennis, but I didn't know those guys then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but right around the time period you're talking about was the infamous Tom Robinson benefit, and Bobby stayed and those two didn't, and Bobby showed up to my show uh, and said he couldn't wrestle because he was hurt. But uh, I'm not going to say I found out for a fact, but I heard that he was not allowed to come. But he did anyway. He fought to come to my benefit show uh-huh. in a sling or whatever the fuck he wore just because he loved me, basically. And to hear that Bobby Eaton loves you is like fucking whatever. But... And, you know, that, that came from just a couple years of stooge work, downtown Bruno work, uh, Steve Lombardi work. Right, driving the guys you know, around, that, do what if, you got to do for them. I get you. If that's the highlight of my career, so be it. But I would have the greatest night was Bobby and Stan when Arn and Tully were leaving, and it was kind of a last-minute deal, and I had fucking the U.S. and the World Tag Team titles and the Midnight Express in my mom's that's fucking That's right, Renault. they won the belts that night in Philly. Philadelphia and I took them out of there and the fucking fans were going nuts banging on my mom's little car and I'm fucking so Bobby's still in his shit uh, I got many Bobby's but I'll leave it with this uh, uh, don't remember but I think it was the long tights or whatever maybe pink maybe whatever so if I say what color they were somebody will look up that picture and say it was yellow it tights it was the black ones it was the gold ones yeah yeah <laughs> Whatever it was. And Stan was, you know, still in his shit, too, but getting dressed. But Bobby was, like, still in a long time. And he like, uh, go get some beer, you know. And Bobby would talk quick and un, unintelligible. Is that the word? Un, <laughs> yeah. He was intelligent, but you know what I mean? Like, No, yeah. Could, yeah, when he was speaking. He was speaking Alabama, Southern Alabama. And he was like, who's a bad piece? I'm like, what? And he said, who's a bad piece? And he, they called me pissy from Piss Boy that Bobby loved to say. He got like a, it seemed like he got a hard on from saying, and I'm saying that respectfully. He loved to just say, I'm talking to you, piss, pissy, piss boy. <laughs> like, he loved to say piss, uh, call me piss, whatever. That'll explain another show. Don't fucking. Google that or whatever. I'll tell you <laughs> later. But, uh, but he was saying two six packs of regular Miller, please. And Stan was not 
in a hurry like Bobby, he would have one and then go back to the hotel and whatever. But seven chicks, yeah, yeah, really, literally, sometimes. Nah, yeah, I believe it. Um, but Bobby, uh, so I says to Bobby, "There's only one problem, Bob. I'm 19, because that's what I was in 1990 and or 1989 or whatever fuck." So. He's like, uh, he was frustrated. He felt like I feel when I do podcasts, I need a beer. Um, so I said, there's a bar around the corner. I mean, but and Stan's like, I ain't going in like this. Not in that voice. That was my voice, but I can't remember the way Stan talks. But he's like, well, fuck it. Let's go there. It's called Cabinaws. If anybody's from West Philly, I did a couple turns from the Civic Center. And Bobby went in with fucking tights and shit and just some kind of shirt that covered like, uh, it was like a button up that he had two buttons on and fucking like tights. I like to tell the story that he had pink tights. I'm not sure if they were the tights, but it makes the story funnier if they were. He went into a fucking bar in West Philly to get his two six pack of regular Miller. And he came out with this scowl on his face. He just won the fucking world tag team titles. And, <laughs> You know, why would Bobby Eaton be the nicest person in the world have a scout? And he, I says, you all right, man? Everything cool? And he's like, fucking, you know, it was on, on, uh, fuck, what's the word, right? Um, when you can't understand something. Un- well, unintelligible, like you said, I mean. Is that the word? I mean, um, that's one of them. He talked fast again and a little angrier. He wasn't angry, but Bobby Eaton angry. Which is just like, and he used to do this thing when he was, he put his finger on his nose and went, him and Tracy Smother used to do it. It's like somebody, it's kind of the equivalent of rolling your eyes on somebody. Uh, You whistle when he put his finger on his nose and put it out. But anyway, he he comes back to the car with the beer and he's just like, fuck you take me, man. And like, I got that out. And where the fuck you take me, man? And I says, that's the only bar I knew around here, bro. And he's like. Fucking shark tails hanging out. Fucking pigs. Filled up a bunch of pigs, piss. A bunch of pigs fucking full <laughs> shirt tails. He kept saying shirt tails hanging out. <laughs> I, so to this day, I, I guess they were fucking white collar workers who had their shirt tails out of their like nice pants or something. I don't know what he meant. That's interesting said, because I just don't picture Bobby as a, uh, a dapper dresser. Yeah, but he was offended by the shirt tails hanging out. <laughs> He's, I don't know how or why, but. He kept saying shirt tails hanging up. Might take me shirt fucking shirt tails. Guy with shirt tails hanging. What the fuck? Everybody got their shirt tails hanging out. Not even talking about what he was wearing, the fucking gear that he was wearing or whatever. And it did take him like to get a takeout six bag. It usually takes you what five ten minutes. It did take what seemed like fifteen twenty minutes. Right. So he had to stand in there in his fucking gear and everything. That was hilarious. And you know he wasn't mad or nothing, but he always uh, always. When you hear, and it's like the 8,000th time that everybody hears today, they're probably are tired of it, but the nicest guy maybe in the world, if not just pro wrestling. Um, yeah, he was I ever... cool dude. Mick Foley is a very nice guy, um, but I think Bobby even can top him. You know what I mean? Well, I got to put Bobby uh, way above him. I had my run-in with Mick Foley. I wasn't, wasn't necessarily a happy camper with him, so... There's been a time or two when Mick was uh, very busy where sometimes he, like I've even seen it where it was non-Mick-like, but he just had to do, I don't know. We'll we'll get into that at another time, I guess, too. But, right, right. But God bless Bobby Eaton. 
Love you. Been meaning to say it for a while. Daphne, Paul Orndorff, Jody Hamilton. Who else? A little slew of names. It's been crazy, dude. Yeah, well, anybody we didn't get to, uh, I'm sure Ray or I both thought of you fondly. So R&P in that wrestling ring in the sky and back to Nate Bush, who we started the show with. Right. I'm mentioning you, buddy, in the same breath with those legends. So, you know, wherever you are, I hope you're popping. Right on, brother. So, Tom, we've uh, touched base on a lot of shit, and we've been on here for <laughs> quite a few hours now. It's like uh, Jerry Lewis telephone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, without all the fucking money coming in. we got to fix that. Yeah, but that'll so, change. Yeah. I got a funny Jerry Lewis story I'll tell at a later date, too. <laughs> tell telephone story. Anywho, we'll save that for another time as well. But, uh, Tom, man, I appreciate getting back, back on the air and covering everything we've really missed out on lately, the AEW, some of the guys passing away, and everything in between. Yeah, man, it was good to get on with you again, too. And, uh, you know, we, we accomplished what we needed to. We did, uh, we paid some tribute to the ladies, and we'll be in. You have a lot of work to do with editing, so I don't expect it out, like, tonight or nothing, but, uh, uh, we'll talk and uh you know thank you again for hanging out on a short notice yeah no definitely not going to come out tonight it's going to take me a little bit to edit it's what tracy smothers would call a ultra mega mass homicide edition of tr shocks the go. world there's a lot of a lot of shit to uh splice together here but i think we're good so uh tom just appreciate you doing the show and i hope we're back uh very soon again here now that we're uh, moving into the fall and and all kinds of shit coming up here in the world of wrestling, AEW really taking off now. Yeah, if people didn't like at least some of this show, then they just don't like wrestling. Yeah, if you don't like some of this show, you just don't like fucking life itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's, for there's Ray something. Russell at Wrestling Grenade, this was Tom Robinson at TR Shock. TR Shocks the World, guys. We'll be back again soon with more of your favorite podcast, TR Shocks the World. Tom, say goodbye to the people. Peace!